What's happening, weirdos? So excited that Russell Brand finally came on the podcast. We had such a lovely chat. Uh, just a couple things to plug up top. One, I'm doing a couple stand-up shows uh, here in Los Angeles. July 18th and August 29th are my next uh, Pete Holmes Living at Largo shows. Those are always amazing. The last one was me and Bo Burnham and Taylor Tomlinson and Joe Mandy. Uh, Sarah Silverman and Zach Galifianakis have done it recently. Judd has done it recently. They're always incredible. Um, so go to Largo-LA.com if you're going to be in LA July 18th or August 29th. And also for my uh, Canadian weirdos, I'm going to be in Montreal for the Just for Laughs Festival, Festival July 24th through the 28th. Uh, so check the festival schedule for that. I'm going to be doing stand-up as well as a live You Made It Weird podcast. I'm very excited about that. I'm also excited about the new Pete's pick. You guys know this is Clear Light Saunas by Jacuzzi. I am recording this in the back house, so I am right next to my sauna. Uh, There was a study, a cardiovascular study done over 20 years where they looked at 2,000 people, and the people who used a sauna four to to five times per week had a 50% less chance of sudden cardiovascular death. This is only one of the reasons I use my sauna. That's kind of like a heavy reason. But the reason I love it uh, is it's the highlight of my day. It's a personal sanctuary. It's an infrared sauna, which means it's a dry heat. It heats you up with infrared uh, rays or waves. Um, It's become a wonderful place of learning. I listen to books. I listen to podcasts. I watch movies on my iPad because the thing is rigged with uh, Bluetooth. Um, It's low EMF, very, very, very low EMF, so it's absolutely safe. I actually bought an EMF detector to test the claim before I use it, and it checked out. And 30 minutes burns between 300 and 800 calories. It's basically a cardiovascular workout while you lay there and watch movies, which is obviously why I love it. It gets me high. It gets my heart rate jacked. It gets me sweating. It gets me detoxing, sweating out heavy metals, sweating out any alcohol or nicotine or any of the toxins that I might have taken in during the week. And then I take a cold shower and I feel... I don't know. I feel like I just slept for 12 hours. It's also a wonderful way to kill a cold. It's basically an artificial fever. If you feel something coming on, I jump in the sauna and bake it out. It's also wonderful for aches and pains. If you have a muscle ache in your shoulder or your back, you get in there and work it out basically just with the heat of your own body. It is incredible. Helps me with uh, sleep, helps me with stress, helps people with weight loss, and obviously it's a healthy and easy way to get in that recommended elevated heart rate cardiovascular health that everybody is talking about as, a, as with the study that I just mentioned. All you got to do is go to jacuzzisaunas.com, mention this podcast. Not only will you be showing your support for this show, but they will give you between $400 and $600 off depending on the model that you pick. These are Jacuzzi Saunas by, well, it's Clearlight is the name of the models, but they're by Jacuzzi. Uh, so check that out. God, I hope you're listening to this in the sauna. That is incredible, if you are. <laughs> the other Pete's Picks you guys know, Kachava had it today. Had it for dinner. Take that, people who only have smoothies for breakfast. I had a Kachava smoothie for dinner. Kachava is a game changer. It's made my life so much better. It's plant-based ingredients. It's superfood ingredients. It's born in the jungle based on a lot 
of intense, <laughs> basic jungle excavations to find the most nutrient-rich superfoods revered by tribal countries, uh, cultures Excuse me, for centuries. It's 100% plant-based if you're looking for an easy and fast, healthy way to eat more plants. It's got omega-3s from chia seeds and flax seeds right in there. It's got eight superfruits. It's got 17 greens and veggies. This is why I love taking it with me on the road. It's very hard to eat healthy when I'm traveling. 17 greens and veg right in there. Gluten-free, soy-free. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. It's got coconut nectar to sweeten it, which is a low glycemic sweetener. It's got powdered coconut milk in there to make it creamy, even if you just make it with water, which is how I make it. Uh, it's got digestive support built in, 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of plant-based fiber, fiber uh, sorry, protein. Man, I'm all mumbly. 24 grams of plant-based protein, 9 grams of plant-based fiber. It is wonderful, it's fast, it's easy, and it's absolutely, legitimately delicious. Valerie loves it, I love it. Uh, it basically tastes like, well, I put frozen strawberries in it sometimes, and it tastes like strawberry ice cream, but even without that, it tastes like chocolate, chocolate ice cream, or vanilla ice cream, or a scoop of each, if you're nasty. Makes you feel amazing. It's basically more nutrients than most people get in a month in one smoothie. It's got maca root for energy, cacao for that wellness buzz that I love. It's basically like a meal in a pill and a meal replacement. Go to Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A K dot com slash weird and you'll get 20% off your order and show your support of this very podcast. Show your support of this always free podcast. And sitting right here next to me on the desk, that is my little bottle of Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil, as you guys know, is a huge game changer for me. It is a wonderful uh, stress reliever. It is a wonderful mood elevator. This is what it does for me. Helps me sleep. Helps me ease into the moment. It helps me smile and laugh a little bit quicker. It is a wonderful plant-based ally, basically. I get the uh, original formula, which used to be called Everyday Advanced. I get the mint chocolate flavor. Tastes like a thin mint. Makes you feel better than a thin mint. And they even make hemp-based bombs, so you can get hemp on you topically. Obviously, uh, if you guys don't know this, hemp is what we smoke. If you smoke weed, that's the hemp plant. But they, this is not an intoxicant. They use science. Science to remove the uh, THC and leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. It's made by the Stanley Brothers, grown in Denver for human consumption. There's other CBD you can get out there, but this is the only one that I'm aware of that is grown for human consumption. It's food-grade hemp made into oil. It's a wonderful remedy. Give, give CBD a Google if you're curious, but really the best way to, uh, to learn about it is to try it. So go to CWHemp dot com slash weird and use the promo code keep it crispy 19 and you will get 10 percent off uh any of those pizza picks try some uh charlotte's web try some cachava and then jump in the sauna i mean if you're nasty that's what i say listen to this listen to this in the sauna um okay guys i'm so stoked this is russell brand check him out if you haven't already he's he's got a lot of great stuff out there uh, I, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole for about nine hours before this chat, and uh, I, I think we I think we might be pals now, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to us becoming becoming friends. All right, enjoy, get into it. Oh, I, I would love a tiny drink. 
butt pizza. Don't gone. have a tiny one. Have a real drink. Do you want a smoothie or anything? Like oh, God, yeah. Kale in it. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Like ginger and kale and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Please, Jeff. Yeah, I'll tiptoe in. It could be a, like a commercial break. Jeff, <laughs> your Colin Hanks impression is getting overstaying its welcome. Well, Katie's going to go get our smoothies. You'll get smoothies. We ordered a smoothie as well. Welcome back to Smoothie Chat. <laughs> did you know? I think you'd enjoy this. I saw this thing. I did the show with these scientists, and they were talking about the reason why I laughed so hard at your laugh just then was because it seemed so genuine. Like it registered as very genuine and, and a little bit childlike in a good way. And um, I don't know if there is a bad childlike. I guess if you pooped in your hand. Um, but they did this study. How? What are we measuring when we determine whether a laugh is real or not? And and it's the same with orgasms. It's like this animal sound. When you slow down the sound of a laugh, like literally slow down the audio, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like this noise that would be very impolite to make. You slow down a fake laugh, and it sounds like <laughs> it sounds fake. Same with an orgasm. It's like ooh wee ooh wee if it's fake, but if it's real, it sounds indistinguishable from a buffalo. This is good shit already, Pete. Right? I tell you why. <laughs> Because what that suggests is something that we've long suspected that uh, 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 post-linguistically, that language becomes a tool of lying and deception. Yes. That it becomes, well, you can hear in that slowed-down uh, anecdote yes. that you just there yes. done, that it's articulated, that it's coming via, ooh, I'm doing an orgasm. Ha, yes. ha, 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 ha. Yes. I'm expressing my joy. Yes. Where a natural laugh is uh, it's visceral. And primitive. And pre- primitive and pre-linguistic. Yeah. Sometimes I am, sl- like, I notice my little daughter, she d- starts to do fake laughs now but she's only doing fake laughs because she recognizes that other people do fake laughs and it's a communicative tool. I today tool. noticed that my nine-month-old daughter, it feels a little judgmental to call them fake laughs. They're, manuf- they're manufactured laughs. Manufactured. Or we could laughs. say social laughs. Yeah, she's socially laughing. I do a bit where I take a toy and I bring it into her face real slow and I go... And she loves us. You can use that. <laughs> Only on the road, not in L.A. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely bit. And she laughs kind of in anticipation as a way of saying, like if there were subtitles over my baby, it would say, yes. Which would be cruel. Boop. <laughs> You've made me boop twice. But uh, we will never subtitle a baby. But it would be, daddy, yeah, I like this bit. Do this bit. So she learned that <laughs> means, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good that they are communicating with us. And frankly, let's be honest, it's good that all of our children learn fake laughs, given the quality of our material. <laughs> if, we were, if we were dependent on authentic laughter from our children, what a barren household we well, would dwell in. we're in a house of yoga, and uh, you've heard of laughter yoga? Yeah. Where they fake laugh yeah. until they real laugh. That's yeah. something we do on this podcast, Fake actually, it till you make it. You fake it till you make it. Yeah. And what's wrong with a fake laugh? Nothing really. It's just people being kind, isn't it? That's, I used to have a bit about that. I said it's better than a quiet reminder that we all will one day die. Yeah, who needs that? You say a bit and everyone just goes, uh-huh. It's machines. Yeah. It's like one of the things that makes us human is that we go like, <laughs> I, do it, I do it all the time. Well, I enjoyed that fake laugh. That fake <laughs> laugh elicited like yeah, a... Yeah, but you slow it down. It's like, oh, 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 oh. 
I like, spoke, look, Mr. you're not the X only one who speaks Fu. to a scientist to try to understand the true nature of laughter. I spoke to a scientist to understand the true nature of laughter. She, was, I can't remember her name now, but what... Uh, yeah, that's right, it was a woman and a scientist. Get your head around that. <laughs> You fascist pig, right? And she said a that. A woman uh, in comedy? <laughs> like I still consider it comedy, and I still don't think she belongs. Uh, it's she, a joke. Uh, I know, okay, of course, of course. <laughs> Just letting everyone definitely, know. Definitely make it clear. It's a joke. She said it's breathing, that laughter is breathing. And I suppose, isn't it, we try to find the tendrils to take us back to the people who were pre-civilization, and they were more than aware while using a technological medium that people are listening to on their technological phones, that there are boons and benefits to civilization and technology, but somehow we feel now more than ever, I don't know, because I've only been alive for this little bit, yeah. like that it's a sort of um, suffocating carapace, this civilizing time. and to Suffocating? Carapace, like a skin, like a, a Ooh, shell. I'm glad I stopped you. And uh, like that, it's nice to feel the threads back through time to a place where where there is authentic laughter even if there is also dysentery and the barbaric killing of infants if they come across a bit weak i'm talking about tribal times when sure. we were hunter gatherers yeah 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 because like you know like we the noble savage idea that we sort of idealize like a pre, inverted commas primitive people um but like i heard that they're right bastards if you're vulnerable like oh yeah like, I have a bit about that, too. You got where some, I go, yeah, what? I want to start listening to this stuff. No. Ah, <laughs> it's funny. These are both unrecorded bits. These are ah. just bits that sort of come up from time to time. And one of them is if I stammer during a bit, uh, which happens, I have a little bit of a save routine where I go, notice that no one laughed. Like, if you fuck up a joke, if you go, well, there were t- um, the t- tomatoes, they won't laugh. I know it's sad. Stammering makes me... Valerie, my wife, knows that. If they're stammering in a movie, I just, I can't handle it. It's I met someone I can't yesterday, handle. just yesterday, with stammering. I realized that the stammer was making me feel like I loved the person. I know. It's, it's very vulnerable. I, I don't want to condescend people that have stammers, but it, for some reason, I, I think it ties back to my childhood. It breaks my heart. Because yeah, kids feel used to tease them. It's because kids will tease that. So in the bit, I go, that it's because we're pack animals and I'm in an alpha position. I'm under lights and I have a loud voice. That's what the microphone is. And I'm brighter and taller than everybody. So I'm an alpha. And if I fuck up my words, everyone goes, leave him. He's slowing down the pack. No one breed with this one. And, oh, it, and everyone laughs because they know it's, I think they know it's true because you, if you're going to be, if that if King Wolf is going to be like, we're going to go in that cave and we're going to eat all the chickens that we can find. See, if he goes like, <laughs> or, or like farts in the middle of it, everyone's like, no, no, you're Zeta now. Right. Yeah. I think you're right about that. It's a lot of pressure to be an alpha wolf in a comedy club Wouldn't. under a spotlight with a microphone planning a raid on a chicken coop. Well, Who needs that kind of heat, man. I watched your new special. You're very alpha up there, deliberately so. I think you're playing with, well, don't make, let me read too far into it, but you're playing with the role of alpha because you're being vulnerable. Oh, wow, thank you. Yet you're being very alpha, like you're, you're fucking the air and yeah, talking yeah, about your fucking, sexuality. Is that, oh, is buddy, that buddy, alpha? That, oh, okay, I thought you thought <laughs> that I was accusing you of like, you're up there fucking the stool, how sometimes <laughs> comedians will think that that's really base or something. I thought it was really funny that you showed how to properly thrust... And that's also a very alpha thing. What kind of offspring will be born of, of this co- airborne spores useless to a man? <laughs> but I'm glad... Um, airborne spores useless to a man! Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. In a way, it's just punishment thank for you. not insisting that the previous offer of smoothies included you two. I just sat there being offered smoothies, never thought... And now the Lord punishes me. <laughs> With a smoothie that is not mine arriving. The mirror has been held up. Oh, and I don't like what I'm looking at. 
<laughs> it's bleak. It's bleak what I've been shown. Like almost every time I look in a mirror, because I never have them that way. I'm always squatting above it. It's never worth identifying. Squatting above it. <laughs> I remember looking in my own butt hole when I was young. It's amazing, isn't it? Because you're with it all the time. There it is. It's not a passenger. It's a part of us. But it's almost like a stranger. You could bump into it in the street and not know it. Totally. People say back of my hand. There's an English TV show. There's an English TV show. I'm not sure. We'll edit that first part out. There's an English TV show. We'll clean this Fuck up. Fuck that guy on the wolf raid. Um, there's an English TV show where you, people look at each other's genitals to see if they recognize their genitals and if they would like to mate the person whose genitals they are looking at. You know, the rest of them are considered Disembodied, like sort of defaced. Yeah, defaced, literally, yes, obscured. Like, they, like the face is obscured. They open a little door. I've not watched it too much because I can't watch things that are overstimulating or titillating because uh, I'll be caught up in the whirlwind of it and it will ruin my life. So anyway, they open like a little cupboard door, look at someone's genitals and go, yeah, I reckon that's a, my partner Dave. Or, yeah, I'd like to have sex with that person on the basis of those genitals. This is a, one of my early thoughts. Was I never, Do you have sisters? No. None. I never understood how you could have a sister... I do now, but when I was young, I was like, "But if you couldn't see their head, you'd be attracted to them." Like I didn't, under- I couldn't get around that. Well, why do you, I mean? There has to be cultural laws around t- taboo because otherwise you might be. And like mythology is laden with congressions, congress of that nature, like w- warning of that very thing. Because yeah. of course it's sort of built in. Because maybe it's. I mean, I'd, luckily, like you, I don't have a sister, so it's never <laughs> right been an issue. But I think they learn a sophisticated like type of thinking. Boys with sisters, girls with brothers learn a way of being like categorizing human yeah. bodies in a more sophisticated way. I was like, if, if it's a vagina and it's not my mother, I'm good. <laughs> I didn't even have the mother caveat. <laughs> I can't. She's you the closest me? to me. <laughs> if I exclude her, who knows when I'm going to get enough? So funny. Disgusting. Who has that bit? Somebody has a bit about. I'm you're very to go... uh, catalog, like a like you're like a catalog of bits. I do know a lot of bits, hmm, and now on. I'll know your bits. Like I have Gosh. one of those memories. I think it's funny. I was saying to Val the other day. I was like, I think it's funny. Sometimes people give me guff for not listening, and I was like, I actually think the problem is worse than that. I'm listening so hard, it's almost uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't casually watch your special. Like I'll I'll analyze the ass off it. Yeah, without even trying. We were watching the preview. It went previously on Baskets. We were watching Baskets, and it showed uh, Zach say a line, and I was like, in the previous episode, the camera wasn't on him. I thought it was ADR. No, no, it's not. This isn't... I hope you don't think I was bragging. No, I like it. I don't think you're boasting. Okay, good. It was more just like, ugh, I got to look at my own brain, and I was like, yikes, that's how you watch television? Just watch the show. I, but also, I like myself. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, you look like a man who li- likes himself as you glug down smoothies, <laughs> hoovering that stuff up. Tell me. Um, I want to know something about what you just said there. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's good that you're paying close attention to reality as yeah. you receive it in that way. I don't right. think there's anything wrong with that. And I then I get overwhelmed. Okay. Are you that way? Do you pay a yeah. lot of attention? Yeah, I do. And then I have to sort of shut down for a while. Well, I was going to wonder, you put out a lot of content. And it's hard to have you on a podcast because you've done so much and I don't want to waste your time. That that sounds like a dig. You've done so much. <laughs> so much. But you've done what brilliant was, what, stuff. Looking back, what was the point? What has it achieved? All of it. Here all this we are. It all led here. 
It all led here. But it wasn't that fussy. In fact, I've actually noticed that you, you have a lot of different modes, and you can throw it into a lower gear. Yeah. It seems deliberate. Thank God. It seems great. I actually had to take that note, because especially when I get on spiritual stuff, I'll go on a tear. Like, I sometimes need somebody to go, like, easy. And I've, I've watched you sort of learn to do that to yourself. Yeah. Which is good. But what Thank I was going to say was, like, it's hard to have you on because you've put out so much content. So I'd like to have a, a chat that is You love the Lord, you. is that right? I just read the word Lord on your arm. Mm. Yeah. I do love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Yeah. I love the Lord as a metaphor. I think you love the Lord as a metaphor It's best as well. to love things as a metaphor, isn't it, given that everything is a metaphor, possibly even the holographic frequency upon which we currently abide. It, it has to be metaphor. to some degree Can I metaphorical. Tell you, I have a bit... Here we are. You must get this all the time. Do I do this a lot? It's funny. I don't know. It's just coming up today. I'm going to put this to you, Russell. This is me putting a nickel in your jukebox, but I want to give you a fresh nickel. So here it is. Uh-huh. I tried this on stage. It didn't really work. I, go, I think it's funny that I, I believe in God as a metaphor, but everything's a metaphor. And I'm like, I think it's funny that when people get a delayed flight, they all start tweeting at Delta. And I heard a guy yelling, Delta always does this. Delta always does this to me. I'm a medallion member, and Delta always does this to me, right? And I was like, Delta? Like, this is what we should be making fun of people for, is smoking weed in a dorm room. Like, you believe in Delta? Like, the analogy is a group of planes, a fleet of planes, thousands of employees, thousands of buildings are like a thing, we are like one thing we call Delta. The metaphor is... Those things are Delta, and people believe in Delta. They're mad at Delta. It's a pattern of energy. It's a repetition thing. They're, I knew you would like it. There's your nickel. You can talk even for the in rest rejecting of the Delta. They reaffirm Delta's <laughs> existence. Right. Damn you, Delta! That's right. Because I know you're there. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you're quite right. That's beautiful. And uh, also, the people unwilling to recognize metaphors of faith continually happening in the quotidian e.g. the purchase of a delta airline ticket is <laughs> this represents travel <laughs> soon i will be on a delta flight wait a minute delta oh, i've got my ticket look so banging a metaphor against another metaphor because the metaphor is not metaphorically doing what you wanted it to do for you <laughs> that's great that's hilarious so this is the lord we love is that the lord you love yeah, because it is wordless and beyond language. And to your earlier point that there is sort of prior to the advent of language and what a wonderful tool it is, there must have been communicative methods that necessarily were more pure because they were less filtered, that laughter is closer to breathing than language. Once we delve into this sort of, you know, like the, I'm reading a lot of stuff lately, Pete, that's talking about the, the, the problems inherent within language, that so many of our diseases and much of our sort of sense of alienation may come from the, the, the limitations of language, the common phrase, only the things that there are words for are being said, and, that, and how beautifully that it's can like customizing mask. your reality with the choices made available to you. It's wonderful. You That's can a wonderful talk about it in it. these words. And of course we should be a little bit sad. <laughs> this mystery has been shoved into the Play-Doh fun set <laughs> of language. Yes. We should all be a little despondent. We should be. And uh, furthermore, it, like, uh, it also masks things like our unconscious acceptance that a conglomerate of ideas, administrative tools, branding, airplane parts, and <laughs> aviational expertise can be called Delta, that we won't 
question that I am Delta and this is my will. Not today. You will be delayed. Like, like we have to personify. We have to objectify. And that's the problem, I think, of abiding primarily on a material plane. Certainly for me, a person that has a tendency to be primal, that has a tendency to care too much about what other people think of me, get attached to green drinks and validation. That if I don't have a relationship with the invisible, non-material world as expressed, perhaps it is material in some sense. Perhaps consciousness has energy and, you know, in a way that I can't begin to appreciate. But what I mean to say is the invisible, inaccessible interior world and how that may relate to an external world and indeed your internal world. I have to have some relationship with that because not because I don't find the world of carnality and sex and appetites appealing, but because I find it so appealing that it undoes me that I'll look to it to be God. Mm. If God's not my God, then Delta's my God. Right. And you are my God. And like that's a terrifying possibility. I mean, we've just met. Or the next... I- <laughs> <laughs> what fun well, well yeah yesterday but you were talking about brilliant you were also talking about um how the language you were saying something about how we need language but maybe we had a, a when we were primitive it was maybe more pure did i hear something about that in there when i was a kid i used to wonder if the sort of pr- progressive hum- humanity could be that we merely externalized and materialized phenomena that were innately accessible previously, like telecommunications instead of telepathy, transport instead of telekinesis, as if somehow maybe perhaps, you know, if there is oneness in an ever-expanding universe, if there is oneness, that somehow throughout that oneness, different means, methods were accessible to us. And now we've technologicified those things. Right. That's what Kurzweil said. Did you watch that Singularity documentary where it goes, does God exist? And he says, not yet. And he's talking about putting technology in flowers. He's, he's being kind of preposterous for effect, I think. But he's saying he's like going to put Wi-Fi in everything and everything's going to be looking at itself and recording itself. And he's talking about a very ancient idea, but he's sort of... It's like... Pantheonism. It's consciousness... Panpsychism. Re... Reinventing itself. Brown, fuck me. Right? Yeah. So what you but you just said that. It's like it's the thing playing the same game over and over. So we had it and then we play it again to have it again. Have you ever heard like Joseph Campbell analyzing like a, some Vedic text that I'm not educated enough to precisely recall? But how that pros the process of communication, whether through art or language, can sometimes conjure a state of connection that goes beyond what it should rationally and practically begin to do. He That's talks everything. about this diving boar, like you know, literally the sort of pig like hog like animal. The boar dives again and sees the goddess under the water and the two of them connect and and she says, Ah, every time like this. Things that are on the border of like that doesn't make sense. It makes me feel a bit giddy and whirly. Like, isn't that <laughs> Every time, like every time like this, like <clears throat> we're continually existing through time, remanifesting, instantiating, then deteriorating and degenerating, and coming like a tidal breath, breath right. of in and it's out of in, reality. It's built into your psycho- It's into your physiology. Give and take. You would in like- and out. The whole thing is in and out, and in and out. And the unseen motor behind all being buried in our chest. This is why we're obsessed with the heart as a metaphor. It's the unseen power of everything that we have nothing to do with. I knew you knew this. Wicked. And this is why the American corporation is so fucked is because there's no... It's all in. It has to grow every year. So it's Mm. this. (laughs) Exhale! We know... 
on a primal level that it's not natural. That would be a good uh, installation, I think. Wouldn't you like to see like a, someone con- uh, like a video of someone oh, inhaling someone inhale? and then they cut the exhale so it's just someone continually inhaling? Dude. It would fr- fuck Let's you do up an art installation. Finally, now <laughs> we've found the proper expression of our talents, <laughs> such as they are, such as they are. But you're saying in and out in the bore and Joseph Campbell. Mm. It's the first time the guest has brought up Joseph Campbell before. Well, me. I suppose it's like that. Um, you know. The, Perhaps one of the functions of art and religion can be to take us as far as we can. Because like, whilst, like, you know, say the work of Francis Bacon, I'm thinking in particular, I know loads about Francis Bacon, but the, the, uh, the uh, poet, uh, the painter Francis Bacon, like there's these pictures he does of the Pope in this cage and this Pope is screaming. And when I saw it in Australia in an exhibition, I thought, oh God, that's it. He has captured somehow in paint and tone and texture the feeling of when you wake up at 3am and you think like, oh God, I can't cope, I can't cope. With yes, being me, but the, the, the yes. feeling—the feeling I have—is in my consciousness. The feeling is in my consciousness. He transmitted he from his own consciousness via, the, and like we can do when we're happy with a bit of work we've done. It's yeah, like they haven't used. Like sometimes you read something you've written and thought, oh no, that is actually what I meant. Or you write a joke and it's yes, that's actually what I meant. Yeah. Perhaps there's no other merit that we can bring to it, no other barometer that we can mm-hmm. bring to it, other than that is at least what I meant, right or wrong. That's when I, I took psychedelics once, and I was like, oh, that's why people paint things is because we're all stuck in these things and we go when i look at a house it looks like this so i'm going to paint it and go is that what you're seeing as well that is the nightmare is someone screams no and that's why bombing hurts so um, bad oh god yeah right and never again, never again <laughs> said. um but like every uh, time like this with the bomb. <laughs> oh, this again. We swim down and the audience isn't laughing. Again, every time like this. Our brains our, ourselves communicate to us with metaphors too. Our dreams are you're you're talking about that painting of a pope in a cage. And I'm mm. like, of course. Yes, yes. I mean we we dismiss sort of transrational, non-rational, or beyond rational stuff. Yes. Symbols. Yes. And it's how we communicate with ourselves and we sort of get it. You wake up and you're different. Here we all are, querying the psychedelics, querying the irrational world. There's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as aliens. Of course, we have to monetize and live in economies that can be governed and measured in this way. And yet, every night, every single one of us disappears into this magical carousel of personal mythology. Oh, there's my dad. What's that's it? right. That's like, right. Like, well, the, the, the consciousness is doing shit that don't make sense every fucking day. I know. You know, all you have to do is... Um, disengage from sensory data for a fucking minute yep. and uh, and a different reality floods in right you know like and as i um, and what is that drive to create reality it's just, you know what i'm saying what splits one cell into two what is the drive that the brain is like even at rest i'd like to create why don't you shut up yeah for just, a minute i've had all day with just you just go off go bed my com- i don't turn my computer on and it's like this is what i've been writing <laughs> <laughs> this is what i made while you were gone i've made some spreadsheets <laughs> i don't need any spreadsheets for my preserves, <laughs> for the cutlery drawer, that's all organised. Stay out of the kitchen. It was in the kitchen. <laughs> what are you doing? You got in the kitchen. It's got no business in there. But You're it right. wants to create. The brain wants to create. These are like I think what we're both enjoying right now are these foregone conclusions, these assumptions that of course life wants to create more life. You know what I'm saying? Of course the brain wants to create realities. You know what I'm saying? 
that but that fundamental tick 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 behind the whole thing is the metaphor for the mm. lord that i love yeah i love that lord the, the, isness <laughs> the ongoing pulse of isness yes this thing i read the ongoing I, pulse of isness you might like this thing i read called Robert Land's uh, Biocentrism, in which he postulates uh, better than I'm able to render here that we are creating reality as we perceive it, hence the rules of physics create just the right conditions for life. But and that, that is broad, and like I'm being so reductive as to make it seem kind of dumb. But the stuff that I liked is when he said even... Assumptions that we have about space and time are likely an expression of our particular and individualized experience of reality. And then he broke down the nature of time, saying that what we experience as time is entropy. There's no in a limitless and eternal universe. You can't go a year, a day, a second, a moment. In fact, even the need to do that is only because of the expiry of one human life. If we were infinite as the universe is infinite, how we count to ten because we have ten fingers. Right. We also develop time because we're decaying yes <laughs> if we don't decay no time well on, on that it wasn't serial it was shit town on npr they were talking about like time because the guy built clocks and he was like why did we build a clock like where did we get the the idea of rhythm and i don't think he went there but it's like it's heartbeats your heartbeat goes and from somewhere in there we get 60 because it had to be a multiple of 10 because we have 10 of these 10 of these <laughs> ten of of these little, little cheeky little fellas <laughs> the old thumb who's the boss though the index finger the thumb bit of an outsider well of there's a coup <laughs> there's, there's been a coup of course yogically the fingers have all got some kind of you know like it's offensive to be pointed at well the, the, the index finger does have in sort of Vedic analysis of anatomy the index index finger like you know like for particular kundalini is a wanger yeah it's like you well don't don't use that finger to point at people because it literally is oh this is the ego finger and like they've all got and you know like fonzie does that that is like the thumbs up fonzie the thumbs up has got some sort of potency to it i love i'm sort of misremembering this but you get the idea no i do i totally get it i have you ever done the middle finger root eft it's a tapping technique Oh, yeah, that kind of where they hypnotize you out of being so unusual. What? But with tappity tap, tap, tap. There's tabby, tabby. I don't know if it's hypnosis. I've never hypnotized. But you skip, you, you skip the ring finger because it's linked to your heart and it's bad for your heart. What is These EFT? Are, it's, it's, I can oh, show it's, it's this. Fun. You go like that while you unpack trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've you done do it that. to yourself. It's fun. Can this I ha- man was kind enough to hypnotize me out of being in love with someone because it was inconvenient. I was Who in love did with someone. He was a wonderful fella, Paul McKenna. He was. You were in like love with his, Paul? Well, I am now, but like at that time, it was someone I was working on. It the did sound like with. you were saying you were in love with Paul. It doesn't matter who it was. I do but love Paul, he, Paul helped you with a romantic love. I've got this romantic love, and I said, Paul, it's distracting. And Paul said, Paul hypnotized me out of being in love. Some of the techniques, may I say, were rather rudimentary, i.e., imagine her head on a dog's body. Really? Yeah, I mean, I liked that. That's funny. <laughs> One time I was trying to break up with somebody that was very difficult to break up with. And I, I'm not proud of this, but it's hard for me to find things I haven't admitted on this podcast already. So here we are. I pictured for like 10 minutes just heaving her off a cliff. Not to kill her, but just to kind of get rid of her. And it felt very good. Like I had rehearsed in my mind. This is in college before I got all woo-woo. Couldn't it have gone... Couldn't you popped her in a little capsule and then a little capsule... <laughs> Off into limitless space. Yes. More um, loving. She's got everything she needs in there. More gentle. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a VR helmet. 
You don't even know where you are. Yeah, we might be in that right now. Perhaps we've broken someone's heart and we're being propelled through space in a capsule. I mean, or we're dying and we're remembering our lives. That's my favorite. This is the memory of it. You know when they say your brain lives for seven minutes after you die? In a way, I would prefer that because then you'd know. I'm a very emotional chap. Tell me everything. Well, what about kids? That's going to hurt, isn't it? I love them. They've got so much power over me. I didn't plan for that to happen. A lot of attachment. A lot of attachment to the little kids. I mean, I'm trying to sever it day by day. (laughs) (laughs) Don't see them. (laughs) Abrupt strikes. Yes. But... They're you too, right? I mean, you know that. In as a well. sense, nothing. Yeah, entirely. Particularly the older one, she's extremely difficult. But like, uh, <laughs> like, I didn't even mean that. You, <laughs> like, um, what I mean to say is, the is older that one in particular. She's sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to do the voice, but there no, it's it is. Like, it's nice. It's flattering. <laughs> but like, when uh, it's flattering. Any one of these conjectures about what reality might be rather than the sort of chronological version of life that we assume to be like the, the general understood consensus that we presume we all have in this, you know, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them are really any more remarkable or miraculous, are they? You know, and I suppose much of that stuff about being in the present, by which I mean Buddhism, that stuff, like, um, mm. like, is, like when you stop labelling, when you stop categorising, chronicling and placing in their correct taxonomies, there's this sort of awesome, overwhelming beauty continually well, that's present. It. I say that all the time. They say, be here now, obviously, but I, it took me a long time to figure out why be here now. And it's because when you're here now and you're not thinking and separating and labeling and judging, you can, as you said, I wrote it down, um, the infinite force, the infinite creative force behind and through everything may move through me, that idea, right? So instead of talking about it, experiencing it, right? Yes. Why is it a little bit scary, do you think? Why is it scary? Because mm. we die when we do that. Here's a great quote. You're going to love this. I'm going to savor the moment before you know it. Here it is. Uh, I believe it was Muji who said, um, given the choice between the destination and the journey, the ego will always choose the journey because the destination, it burns up. So even as I'm talking to you, when I... Because, you know, it's easy to do with you. I can forget Pete-ness. I can forget LA-ness. I can forget America-ness. I can forget Earth-ness and just be here with you. And what's frightening about that is everything goes away. You know what I'm saying? We lose... The, the brain really wants to cling and it'll rebel and kick out and insist that it's real, that the ego is real. Because it's, it's death. That's why I think it's so funny that spirituality is popular is we're selling death. Death. Hardcore, nothing you think is real is real, but trust us, it's better on the other side. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a, <laughs> it's a tough product to push. Did you, did you like that quote? Yeah, I do. I do like it. It's a lovely quote. I love Muji. I do like little meditations with Muji just on the YouTube. He's great sometimes. on YouTube. He's just English, I think. Jamaican, I believe. Is he? Yeah. He's got a little bit of that. I think we did steal Jamaica at one point, so <laughs> I, do, I do think Jamaica is ours. Do they take tea? I, we took an, I anything they had I went there. to Africa and I was like, why do you guys take tea? <laughs> oh, right. Oh, these people come, nick that country, yeah. and they gave us tea. <laughs> <laughs> tea? Oh, my Country? God. Country for tea. Um, well, <clears throat> yeah. Do you I want do me like to put it. that as a question? No, because uh, it was already a question. You are a living question, Pete. You've surely come to realize that now. 
<laughs> your great big daft lovable interrogative. <laughs> You're cuddly as hell. I am. I wish I could snuggle with myself. Well, I'll show you a technique. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, the thing with the selling death, it wouldn't be effective if the if there were not already the interpretive mechanism present in the recipient. Like, I think people already know that it's right. I was off to pitch a TV show, excuse me, at HBO the other day, and all they wanted to talk about, the uh, executives, was well, not, not just death, because although I do sometimes bring that mood on. Was it Amy? But spirituality in a general way. It wasn't Amy, no. It was a person called Kathleen and, had and nice a person called Kara. Cara, Cara and Kathleen okay. were the names of the, uh, and they were really nice people. But like, it seems to me that the sort of now, I don't know if like, we live in a very particular place in a very particular class, but it seems to me that people are interested in talking about these things. Yes. Because there's, there's a great freedom in letting go of it. Because I think you know this, the next level of the death is do it, just don't be attached to it, right? Yeah. So you don't really, it's really way better than any people like that that are into this that are able to practice the participation in the material world without the incumbent attachments that are a bit scary. You want to talk about breath in and out. I mean, with me, just me personally, it's, it's constantly Mm. in a day. Yeah. Like I'll be that for maybe 30% of the day and then 70% I won't be that. I'll be totally lost. But then other days are better. Do you sometimes feel like what I feel like is really, I sh- you know, I shouldn't have been a pair of ragged claws on a seabed floor. I should have been a monk. Like, you know, that's what would suit me, really. Yeah, I quickly, this could be self-serving, I quickly go to your getting that stuff out in a way, 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 never before seen and very effective and exciting way. I get really jazzed. Have you watched, there's a YouTube compilation that I've watched many times, actually. It's called Russell Brand Awakened Being or something. Yeah, I remember when I wrote that. Uh, Russell Brand awakened being and talk. Right. <laughs> no, no, it's a compilation. I know because that'd be a very self-centered. I wouldn't. Title. <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh my god! You didn't upload it, but I wondered if you ever saw it. Yeah, I have because they were vegan. I think vegan uh, parkour people. That really? Made that I think so. Because oh. I think one of I was at something once, some sort of vegan parkour event. I go to three or four a week. Otherwise, <laughs> I just if I'm not a vegan parkour event, Pete, I'm not fucking living. Yeah, because you want to hoist one foot on a car and jump over a turkey sandwich. That's what you want to do. <laughs> That's how you decline meat. <laughs> and dairy. <laughs> you want to leap over dairy. it. That's just as bad now. Yeah. Cheese. No, forget cheese. Well. Um, yes, and they told me about that Awaken Man thing, so I do know about it. And then it's I really good. It in a moment of this, well, We've lost the compliment, though, is that you're like, oh. you're down with the oneness, man. Like, I'm having, I have a really hard time, and I wonder if you do too, so here comes, yes. here comes the question. I have a really hard time finding... Even in L.A., the land of the woo, most people will go up to the wall, but very few people go over the wall. And I'm not even claiming enlightenment. I'm just saying they won't even imagine the possibility that they're it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down that laugh. That's real, man. That's, that's grade A cocaine. How can we condemn anyone individually for indoctrination that is occurring culturally mm. you know like we can't can we it's like it's and i think it's a compassion that we should afford ourselves and 
one another. For sure. That it's embedded in us. It is us, the very usness that we're looking at the world with. It's perhaps easier to note on a familial level when I think about the dramas of my family of origin, ordinary though they were, that it's hard for me to have... Uh, well, I wonder sometimes, why is there so much heat in the relationship with my mother? Probably because of that vagina obsession I <laughs> copped to in the first two minutes. Or, your first or, apartment. <laughs> and well done. That's surely... <laughs> you've, you've already rented that out, eh? Um, that once or twice. My, uh, my mum and my dad is precisely because what, you know, the construct... We, like Muji, our man Muji says, you are more than just a vessel for concepts. Mm. Now this, uh, like, uh, you know, the, the, but people start dropping stuff into us concepts into us before and i'm aware of it we're doing it with my own kids like oh my god i'm training them now for my own convenience i'm training them to not be in the presence i'm training them to look at this screen i'm training them to eat sugar i'm doing all of these things i'm sort of fundamentally opposed to well you know and i think that like you know it's easier to observe on the level of family that the reason it's like maybe more to use a, a slightly uh, freighted word triggering to be around your mother and father in a way that sort of seems odd to you is because the you that you're looking at them with is it's not actually you when i think of trying to get over jealousy or trying to get over drug addiction or trying to get over inadequacy and insecurity it's not that i need to get over insecurity it's that i need to get over the thing that even feels the insecurity identification with the yes yes, with the insecurity the very belief that there is a self and that thing that you're saying about the death it's a beautiful and blissful thing and there's a wittgenstein quote that if you are eternally in the present then you if you're continually in the present, then you live in eternity. You live in the eternal now, that there is no right. death this and no is birth. Eternity. This is eternity. We're I used to think now. eternity started when you died. Right, let's get of to that bloody you're... eternity. <laughs> Where else could you be but in eternity? <laughs> it's got no beginning or end. Where... And we all agree on that. The mystic likes stories to feel it, but everyone agrees. I know there's different theories on which way infinity goes and how the universes are overlaying on each other, and I, I can't explain those things, but we all typically agree in the concept of infinity and that's fucking great (laughs) i love that i heard you say that all of religion and spirituality and love is is about union and i was like fucking a right that's why i get so excited when i hear science talking about the same thing i'm talking about just with data with data and photographs and experiments and stuff and i'm like yes let's find that common ground because we're talking about fucking infinity and we're talking about the miracle or the, or the phenomenon of consciousness. That's what I wanted to put to you. Was I say it on this podcast probably every week, which is St. Francis said, what you're looking for is what you're looking with. It's this. Ooh, Isn't that like good? That's like that thing that I was just trying to say, but St. Francis, trust him, the old rascal, to do it. He said it better than me. <laughs> no, I love the way With no said shoes it. and socks on, and with a butterfly on his shoulder. <laughs> he'd have been annoying, though, wouldn't he, if he came round? He'd have a ferret with him and a fox. Oh, get them out. You stay. Tell me how to get free. No more ferrets. <laughs> I love you. Oh, my God. Why is my phone here? Um, that was oh, yeah. I read this book. Uh, to your point, uh, I read this book on uh, quantum physics. It's a children's book, so don't be threatened. It was mostly drawings. What is it? Many drawings. Mostly drawings yeah. of quantum physics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so as you can understand it. It's too hard. Yes. Anyway... As part of its rather derisory, post-secular, scientific uh, uh, pomposity, it were like digging away at the Vedas. No, it's probably it's not. I think it's probably a very good-hearted book, and I certainly bloody enjoyed reading, actually, and it made me understand a lot of things. But it goes, oh, in Vedic literature, would you believe, these Hindus um, <laughs> believed that... Uh, 
that the world rested on four elements resting on the back of a turtle encircled by a snake eating its own tail. And yeah. I said, like, but they don't be all like sarcastic about yeah. the Vedas. They're yeah. probably saying it's almost as if right. there are four powerful beasts like elephants. Like perhaps these are the elements. They're only one letter out, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's on a turtle's back, part hard, part soft, dualistic, encircled by a serpent eating its own tail. Infinity. Right. So right. it's almost, and like, you know, sort of how chromosomes look and how DNA looks. Like what I suppose, the, what it inspires me, one of the many, things that inspires me about the the spiritual path and uh, is that they seem to be like you're saying like things that like to yeah exactly to your point things that are being revealed in the language of materialism rationalism and through science and i'm very grateful for that language and very grateful for to them for their endeavor in case there's a furious scientist listening now snapping a pencil yeah (laughs) (laughs) we gave you that microphone yeah Uh, is to say that some people thousands and thousands of years ago were somehow discovering this shit a very good example is the mindfulness phenomena that mindful hey that you you can extract it from its theology hey do you guess what if you meditate all the time your heart your blood pressure your brain look we can show you through these scans all these things will be improved by a mindful practice and meditation well guess what the people that come up with this shit they never had those scans they didn't they somehow knew intuited through means other than material means they knew do you think there's anything else in those books that might be of value to us do you think and like the reason that that, you know that, that it takes you to the edge of language through poetry, through images, through things we can understand, simple totemistic, animalistic language conveying to us the world is sort of like this. Consciousness is sort of like this. Like a boar diving into the pool seeing yes. the God. Like, it's, like, like you know, this it every time. can't be understood. It can't be held in our consciousness. Like, and, and as is being discovered in the, currently in quantum physics. Like, it's like, well, this doesn't make sense. We can't understand that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right, 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 we just right. can't be understood, can't be held within these limits the li- eventually the limitless is going to impede upon our limitations limited consciousness eventually is going to you're going to hit a wall because of limitation and you're going to require faith it's not going to be able to be understood and if we build our world and our systems entirely on rationalism the, they will always be limited systems that are biased towards uh, i would say you know individualism materialism consumerism capitalism all these things come about because we have not invited the mystery to participate mm. in the way we organize society, even though night after night we all disappear into dreams, even though all of us recognize that love is the most important thing in our own lives, that we were doing irrational things in a heartbeat if, it was, if we were called upon to right. do it. I, I was thinking so many things when you were speaking. Firstly, that, that was just great, and I loved it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you going to be lovely when you're a granddad? Not that you're not lovely now. Just the giggling? The giggling granddad. Well, I was laughing because I was like, I wonder if he cares that I thought that was great. Okay, good. Because I actually noticed that you were giving me a lot of approval, and I thought that was really beautiful for a performer. We're not great at that. You know what I mean? I, I, I here it comes. I have another bit. I'm like, why don't we just give each other what we want? I don't understand. Like we withhold. Yeah. We know what people want. No, you're trying to make me so. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm always trying. Sometimes I laugh at myself. And thank God somebody does. But it's because I'm often trying to make my. Because <laughs> I'm always like. The sort of subtext of things I'm saying. They're not the actual text. I'm not that brazen. But the <laughs> subtext of things like. I guess I had a pretty hard childhood. <laughs> I really overcame the odds. <laughs> 
but you uh, did. And you did. I know, and I'm always trying to get a pat on the back for it. I know. And like manipulative people. Well, why not people, just give it to each other? Well, I tell you what, a manipulative people do. Mm. I knew a manipulative person once. He was very good. And what he did, like you know, me, I see what people are trying to get me to say. In the past, I try not to do it so much anymore because I think, yeah, why not be kind? But like in the past, I think, this person's trying to get me to give him a bit of approval. I'll yeah. not do it. Yeah. Like I'm sort of a frigid little I spinster that, of approval. That neighbor who is four shades darker. He had just come back from vacation. He was. What's he want? What's that? What does he want? He came up to me and he said, did you get some sun? He said to me, a man that looked another race. He was so dark. (laughs) Asked me, who had not gotten any sun, if I had gotten sun. So that you say... So I would say, no, but you did. But instead I... While we're on the subject. (laughs) But I wouldn't. (laughs) And I I look back to that Pete and I just go, just go... No, but you did that. That must have been amazing. Good for you. But instead, I went, fuck you. I'm not your puppet. And I went upstairs. Because we don't want to be there. You just went straight upstairs. You didn't even stay on the same level physically as him. I lived above him in many ways. You scampered up. (laughs) Many ways. Why stop at the bedroom? Get up to the attic. Clamber up onto the tiles. Lob some terracotta at the poor bronze tool. I the other thing I was thinking when you were talking was Carl Jung. I say this all the time, but Carl Jung says it's not ideas or words that change us; it's symbols that change us. Obviously, I mean that sounds that's the most Jungian thing that's ever been. There's one that is you know from that red book, the Jung red book. I'm holding up my index finger by yes. hand. That's um this is a Kundalini serpent in in Jung's red book where the sort of typography has got illustrations in it, like a letter D will have like a well in this case this serpent emerging from a kiln, uh, the coronated kundalini serpent that the energies of the abdomen the sexual and creative drives and the primal drives can go right up the old reptile pipe known as a spinal cord <laughs> and we can coronate that serpent so that is literally a symbol that's meant to be evocative but i've had some terrible feedback one snake dragging a handbag other one just tampon tampon but i think it you know that is literally drawn by carl jung yeah. and then recreated by the i have that Mark book Mahoney. it's holding down the quiet pedal on my piano it's a very heavy book. Well, that's a symbol in itself. Isn't it's holding it? down the quiet pedal on your piano. Jung would love that, I'm sure. <laughs> so you get it. That you oh, see I that and it. it and it changes your day. It well, reminds this thing, you. Yeah. Not really actually. No, I regret it and it hurt. But like, it does uh, but look like generally it hurt. speaking, it's on his pointer finger. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I do a, some of my best pointings done yeah. with that guy. And it's right there across the knuckle, I must say, Katie. And it, it was abrasive. But <laughs> but but like that book, he's painted like he's trying to draw. Well, it looks like sort of the division of cells. He's, like it's, it's evocative yeah. in a way that's beyond language. And I suppose that's a point of non-linguistic communication. I really admire Young, just that he was quiet enough to go like, and an old man too. I look at how closed old people tend to be. And he's like, nope, every night I spelunk into my dreams and yank things back and then paint them. And then have these like incredible revelations. <laughs> I'm like, we could all be doing that. But instead, you know what I mean? Where do you get, it's hard to have the will to be that adventurous with your own consciousness. Yes, it is, isn't it? And I suppose like I said to my wife the other day, are we being conscious enough with the way we're raising these children? They say, don't they travel in the old ruts? The old ruts are the safest way. Perhaps it's some sort of Buddhist saying. 
but sometimes I feel that the path that's been laid out for us as parents, the things I find myself reaching for, I don't even just mean the trite and dreadful cliches of scolding or whatever, but that we're not taking enough time to acknowledge the sacred or explain the mysteries. And I mean, it's a two-year-old and a one-year-old at this phase, Pete, so like, you know, there's a little time, but it's making me question my own, you know, my own life and my own existence. I mean, here we are, look at where we are. I mean, at least we're in a yoga center in LA, but we're in LA. We're not saying, why don't we start the commune tomorrow? Why don't we set up this taxless, moneyless society tomorrow? Why don't right. we liberate our brothers and sisters? Well, that last one makes my, my point, my response, not as good. Because we should be working and fighting for the oppressed. But the other part What else was, is there to do? Like Jesus himself, he's just yeah. crack on with helping the poor, stop worrying all the time. Yeah, that's right. But to your first point, Val and I are always like, we're like, let's move to Ojai. Let's buy, yeah. let's buy a house. I'm from to, there. Yeah, okay. You have I'm Ojai. loaded on Ojai. Should we become joint mayors? <laughs> Ojai, introducing your new joint mayors, Pete and Russ. We can we're do running that. Tings. Oh, and I will insist on that pronunciation. Tings. <laughs> Very Ollie G, yes. if I may. Or Irish, we could do. Oh, Ireland. Um, tings, toinks. Mm. Tanks is my go-to for Dublin. Listen, um, but we were like, this is Ojai. You know what I mean? Like, we're in Ojai. What I'm saying is it's the journey destination thing. Mm. My ego would like to say, and your ego, I'm not going to say to you, my ego would like to say if I could only get this, if I could only live on a farm, then you'll have it. You are it. The thing that's yearning for better parenting, I'm not coaching you. I'm just saying the part of I'll me. Take coaching. I'm not proud, and I like it because actually, in spite of uh, the sort of uh, the, the occasional self idolatry that does go on, I actually, in myself of selves with a capitalist of S's, do believe that we're the same as one another, and we should all be learning from one another. I do. Like, if someone said, "Don't worry, Russell. There's a prophet coming, and that prophet will save the world," part of me will go, "But." I thought that was me. That's so funny. <laughs> I'd be desperately jealous of the prophet if I'm merely John the Baptist. But that, that is the heresy that we all have to look out for. So Alan Watts had this great quote where he said, you should burn the Bible every Easter. Obviously, he loves the Bible. He's not saying he doesn't like the Bible. He's saying the most dangerous idol of all is ideas. And, and so Buddha says, if you see the Buddha, kill the Buddha. These are all saying the same thing. If you think it's a prophet on the way, or you think it's something that's going to show up, if, for, if I think it's Ohi, or you think it's better parenting, we've lost it because God, Guru, and Self are one. So it's, it's already here. Isn't that fucking crazy? It's already here. I've really been wrapping my brain. It's taken my brain a long time to catch up with my heart. But I'm, my brain is really starting to go, this is it. The miracle is this, is this seeing, is this hearing, is this isness, is this being, and it's already here. And for some reason, we remember and we forget and we remember and we forget. I I called somebody a fat fuck (laughs) on the way over here. Because he, he crossed in front of my house, the gate opened, and crossed in front, he like kind of did this stupid little scoot, and I said, you fat fuck. So like, I'm not. I said it like, oh, to, to myself, he could not hear me. I would never call a person a fat fuck, but I will privately. <laughs> in your own time. But even in that moment, I was like, you're projecting, you feel fat. <laughs> well, you're beautiful. Thank you. I'm taller yeah. than you imagine. You are, yeah. I've felt my uh, head ne- nestling in your collarbone there. It was right there. 
What's, let's play this game because you don't have all the time in the world, and I, I really want to put more nickels in your jukebox and not just blab and bore you. What's this little, like, why has your iPhone got a hump in its back like that? Oh, that's an extra battery. Oh, good Lord. Even more power. When and will you, know you be at funny? rest? I put it to bed every night and it has 100% on both. It's not even out of necessity. Right. It's just that I can. I guess. And you're picking that off of there now. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I'm not, I guess I am trying to brag. I don't use my phone that much. No, I'm really trying to use the little phone less. And sometimes, you know, that thing that it tells you you've used it this much today, like it's grassing itself up as a thing that's ruining your life. Right. Well, isn't that funny? Yeah. It knows. Three hours you've squandered, my man. <laughs> well, I think, on me. Sometimes it's a podcast where I was listening. You know, what if when I'm meditating to Muji? Dude, I was having that thought on the way in because I was using the navigation. And I was like, this is counting, counting against my time. And I want it to say 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's going to say an hour because I drove here for 40, whatever. Fuck you. I don't, that doesn't count. Yeah, that should be in its own separate section. Agreed. It's not that. What are we app developers? Is... <laughs> <laughs> Why are we thinking of those? We've got to crack this, Pete. For God's sake! The good people at Moment should know this, or the Apple one. Let me let me put some nickels in your juke. What's a great lesson you've learned about comedy? No wrong answer. Well, I like what you're doing now about this. I've I do do that as well. Catalog bits and have a sort of a personal bibliography <laughs> of bits that i like and sort of how they relate to one another it's weird isn't it because you have to watch a lot but you can't watch stuff that's too local because of the sort of their influence oh yeah stroke um oh i catch myself a direct, a direct command going no don't because someone will say something that's so me and i'll go nope yeah because i feel the part of my brain that's like you could say that. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's good to, that that impulse is in check. Yeah. So, look, mine has been, and I, this I don't think a, it applies uniquely to comedy, but to have as much access to your authentic self and be willing to explore it. That's that's what's been there from the beginning. And a lot of bombing, a lot, a lot of bombing at the beginning as a result of that. Because at first, me, I didn't even do material. You know, it was like, I, I thought, oh, no, I just want to get up and be spontaneous. And it was so dreadful. So much of the time I had no skill, no confidence. <laughs> it was basically a person sort of punish, I was punishing yeah. myself, really, doing some really, some stuff was quite good and extraordinary, releasing locusts into comedy clubs, smashing up dead rats, with hammers, things that were sort of quite punk, really? you know, but not at all funny. So the context was. And then the inhale. In I'm going to just you inhale. Cl- you close with just inhaling. Oh, <laughs> exhale, exhale. I won't. <laughs> not until all people are free. <laughs> There's a guy in there. He says he's not going to exhale till everyone's free. Go check him out. <laughs> but you say being authentic and taking the risk, if I'm hearing you correctly. The risk of bombing to be your true self. Yeah, what about you? What's your one? I think that's a great one. For comedy? Yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on it, too, is like there's no substitute doing it a lot. Because now I'm so fucking proud of myself that I that I stayed with it hmm. for 20 years. Wow. That I can yeah, now just, I just do comedy. Here's what Rob. You said it's 20 and 40 and stuff now. I don't do a lot. I, I go out maybe twice a, a week. Oh, fuck me. That's impressive. Is it? Yeah, I, d- I don't. I've become such a tender little Dynasty velvet guy. See, that's something I would do. You do the new material night at Dynasty typewriter. I would do that. That's what I do. Like, I like that. Like, and you I, get a nice long set to stretch out. 
Yeah, only me. Like, uh, <laughs> as nature intended. Like, um, like uh, with Rogan, though, as you, you might imagine, has that much more kind of um, pugilistic... No, get out there and perform for people that hate you. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to. I, you want to talk to my ego because he's here. Uh-huh. Don't tell me what to do. You should study how I do it. That's what I say uh-huh. when people say that. You got to get up every night. I'm like, no, you should study what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how my ego feels because it works for me. There's so many purists. I don't know what Rogan says, but I'm just saying there's so many purists. They're like, you got to, if you're a real comic, you go up two, three times a night. And I'm like, if you want a certain type of act, that's what I found in general performing in comedy clubs when I was younger, that it was biasing me towards, would you believe this, getting laughs. And, mm. uh, and that I mean, it sort of impeded my other instincts. Yeah. Like, you know, like from a purist perspective, in some respects, of course, you know, laugh every 20, 30 seconds. That's like, I suppose, a genre rule. But from, like, I felt like, no, this isn't it. This isn't it. And curiously, when I was starting to do stand up in England, there were like other people performing that were like, um, were in fact modern artists these guys uh, they did well in the uk but i don't think you know they came over called noble and silver that you literally did weird expressionistic installations very challenging kaufman but perhaps without his easy clownish warmth Mm. you know but like sort of (laughs) messing a less likable andy kaufman We've got. We're gonna love this. It's Andy Kaufman, yeah, but without that likability. <laughs> what you mean, an unpleasant? Yes. Andy That's right, unpleasant. That's unfunny. Funny. That's <laughs> funny. I have a hard time with Andy Kaufman. I find him unpleasant in the way that I think he's trying to be unpleasant. It works on me. What like the sort of with the wrestling goading? All stuff. of it. All of it. Yeah. If he's like, I'm better. I'm better. Or if he's trying to be unfunny on purpose, I'm just like. It makes you uncomfortable. It's getting right up in me. And, and, I, and yeah, I don't know. I, it's not my favorite part of myself, but I'm sort of like, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, but I think you'll get that. I, I get that with sort of a lot of people. Like, say with Andy Cameron, like some of the like more famous, adorable, sweet things, I think he is, um, in a sense, like, that the, say my Mouse or whatever, I feel like, well, that is adorable. Yeah. You know, that's like a warm, sweet thing and the Elvis impression and say the, you know, the sort of dominant Andy Kaufman bits. And like, but, and there's a, 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 a that is amidst a lot of things where the challenge is what you're experiencing. And that for me makes me query what his intentions were. And, and right. as, and I suppose like anyone who's interested in Andy Kaufman, I am intrigued by what he's trying to say. Because say with like, um, Monty Python, like so much of Flying Circus when you rewatch it is, like not easy going, you yeah, know, and I yeah. don't think they are trying to challenge you. I think they just were very, very young and had to create a lot of content. And then right. amidst that, there's like, I, so I right. feel that way about Andy as well. I feel like it was the, not, not to put it down at all. Mm. It was just, it was all of it. You know what I mean? It was the growing pains and the growth. It was all of it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think we're saying the same thing. Yes. So that's your, your lesson about comedy is, is digging deep and finding, a real yeah, thing. Yeah, be willing to be authentic. Did anyone it. give you a piece of advice that kind of changed? Eddie Izzard, what do 100 that? gigs before you even judge yourself. And I think I would have done about eight or nine, like, wow. you know, at that point. Because it, it went quite fast, actually, because I like, trained as an actor and all this kind of stuff and then got, like, in trouble with it, like, with, with drug, alcohol-type problems. And then I like, started doing stand-up. And within, like, a handful of gigs I was in, like, in the UK, there were a lot of these talent shows for comics where 
you can progress quite quickly. At the Edinburgh Festival, there's one, the Hackney Empire, which is like a 1,500-seat-old vaudeville theatre in the east end of London, so beautiful. The uh, Marx Brothers played there, Laurel and Hardy, Chaplin all played there. Beautiful old red, velvety, gorgeous place, and got to the final of that when I was young and messed up and not ready, and like, mm. so I was doing a gig mm. there. And that sort of meant I got onto TV and all these kind of things. But so I wasn't, you know, and at that point, Eddie Izzard says, yeah, you just keep doing them, just keep doing them. And, but uh, like with perhaps with all of us, the competing forces, my sort of destructive nature uh, and my creative nature at war and the destructive nature winning. Check that raven out, mate. That'll be right up your alley. Ooh, there's a symbol. Yeah, yeah we'll take, take that. Take the most like hardcore rationalists and have a raven. Perch on their bedroom window. Just like, <laughs> it's like it'll give anyone the willies. Especially because I'm reading this book called uh, Trickster Makes the World, which is all about sort of the mythic figure of trickster and the function of trickster in our psychic and religious imagination. Oh. And one of the dominant figures in the people of this country indigenously is Raven. And it's about like this... The coyote comes up a lot as well. Coyote, he is the trickster, but he is often tricked. He fools people, but is often fooled. Very interested in scatology and filth and excretia. Mm. And it's a, it's a beautiful and interesting book because what he does, Lewis Hyde, in this book, Trickster Makes the World, is he sets out these mythic archetypes. He's obviously a sort of great student of Jung. Sets out the way they function, the point that, e.g., examples such as Prometheus and Hermes, the function of the trickster is to steal from the gods so that the boon is given to humankind, that the gods want to keep the bounties for themselves, and the trickster can exist in both realms. And, mm. and like a shaman, can bring the fire from the gods, can bring whatever boon from the gods. So I've been reading this book a lot. You'd really, really like it, because then he says, like, he looks for that trick. He says that much of the problem with the modern world, in this guy's, you know, hypothesis, is that the denial of the trickster figure that in fact that Christ has become sterilized and anodyne because of the conservative uh, um, what do I want to say heterogeneous dedication to purity that the pure the problem with purity yeah yeah, puritanism leads to sterility and that kind of even makes sense linguistically doesn't it when you hear it so we talked about that artist I think he was called Serrano but I might be wrong that famously made that piece called the piss Christ where he took a sort of a one of those trinkety Mexican uh, like style crucifixes on a rosary and put it in a jar of piss and photographed it and then like tin it with blood and with cum and stuff like that and yeah. like use it this series of crush but he was a lapsed catholic himself this artist and it was used as a big case to like we shouldn't be funding the arts art's terrible get rid of art you know type of case it created and because there was some public funded affording to this guy but what this um, the guy and isn't this uh, this uh, lewis hyde in his analysis says that it was actually a very religious thing because like a like you know the that serrano was a, a, a lapsed catholic and what he's trying to do is re-embody christ make christ accessible again that the whole function of Christ is Christ had a cock and balls and an anus. He's a human. He's a he's a man, right. and that's the power of Christ. And when we rarefy him, we yeah. rob ourselves of the potential and the potency of that. He talked about it too in relationship to the carnival. That the carnival reinforces the rules. That during slavery there were periods. Carnival or the carnivore? The carnival, like a period oh. where the rules are suspended, mm. so that mm. you know, and we can do what we want. But what that does is it reinforces the rules because during that time, hey, we can all do we want right yeah good i hope you enjoyed it back to work you know like the, it tells us weekend does the same thing precisely yeah. now back to work now it's back funny to work. that I, my dog sometimes pees on the buddha in my yard and i'll say to him who if not you <laughs> you know what i mean like it's, it's what we're talking about it's it's pee and i have deep respect for christ and buddha but like 
these these people are saying yes to reality. Love is yes. Christ having an anus and a penis and a beating heart. Can you trip out on that? You ever you ever sit in a room and think of the hearts? Really on let's do it now. There's three hearts in this room. It's fucking crazy. It's beautiful and quite nice, isn't it? Do it on an airplane. I use just a little rat's heart, which I took as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> you have good comedy instincts. You should do comedy. I'm thinking about doing some later on this evening, but I don't want to be judged. <laughs> See, they should study how you do it. It is interesting when we become too... First of all, everything you said was amazing. And I thought yeah, maybe like he was going to say that Christ was a... A trickster. Well, I was kind of waiting for that. The trickster aspects of Christ is the you know the casting the moneylenders out of the temple, and it is a bit of a trick to then die and come back, of course. Right. And, may, you know, and, and I suppose he's moving between worlds and he's eschewing materialism and all, all of that kind of stuff. But like, set, like that, Christ, like as an archetype, has more Apolline qualities. Although there are some Dionysian qualities in the sacrificed god that goes into the soil, right. a common. Uh, motif in agricultural yeah. societies because yeah, yeah. we right. Need- I, well, we both love Joseph Campbell, and we both see the resurrection myth starting. And I don't mean not true when I say myth. I'm just saying those stories came about when we started growing crops that had the same behaviors. It's cool. know, that the stories used to be different, but these the, these are all the symbols that change us. It's beautiful. But could I, you made me think of something beautiful. Traditionally. Christians thought that there was a trickster element to Christ, that Jesus came to change God's mind about us. And Richard Rohr says Christ came to change our mind about God, was that he wasn't coming to be like, see, these guys are cool, God. (laughs) He was coming to be like, this is how energy moves in the world. Death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Don't you see? You're not a visitor here. Even me, all of us. It's an undulating, infinite fountain and you are not a stranger here isn't that beautiful it's a lovely lovely message it is and it got ruined (laughs) what about go ahead when did they say like you know you're not a visitor here we're birth and redeath birth and redeath undulating one that's never forget that you are loved and nothing will ever separate you you are loved and i'm gonna need cathedrals and candlesticks and feel free to fuck those kids that's journey versus destination stuff. That's real masturbatory ego games of us and them and in and out. And it feels, re- it's really fun. It's fun to have a, a magic hat. You might like this chat. <laughs> a special hat. <laughs> Russell, one. you have to listen to me. I'm wearing my special <laughs> bishop me, hat. I, yes. I forgot to one of the hats. That's one of the great Bill Burbits is like, it's just some guy. <laughs> and, and a better way of saying, or another way of saying that is, that's just us. That's just another us. Yes, yes. And that one has a hat. By, by, in a sense, by extracting the Pope from us, we are, it's like saying, better father, move to Ojai. It's yeah, a, that's right. Objectifying it. Don't do it. Internalizing it. It's, it's you that's looking at essential. that hat. What were you going to say? Um, I made you lose it, didn't I? It wasn't far away, though, was it? Because it was just now, and we were talking about... Our Lord, of course we was. God, you're taking the opportunity to swill down so many beverages. Mm. It's like someone at the end of a desperate party. (laughs) (laughs) Mind sweeping the room. (laughs) Glug down that green stuff, which I actually quite enjoyed. Did you? That's what I, I, that's my shit, man. I don't like this. I don't like LA spiritual stuff. It's because kind of you something. Think it's a bit rootless, superficial, and lycra clad. I just don't like once the once what the Orange County blonde women with their white wine get to Buddha. I start to get a little nervous in my pee hole, and that's my that's my shit. I'm projecting. Obviously, I see myself in them, but like once once we start selling, 
And I like this place. And I met the owner, and he's great. And I've he's come here. He's a beautiful here. bloke, Jeff. Beautiful guy. But even he seemed to have a sense of humor about it. You'd yeah, have he has to. got a sense of humor about it. You'd if have people to. ain't got a sense of humor, we're fucked, eh? Because in a sense, they're not. That means that they believe in it. Do you like? They're this clinging. Thing? Yeah, they're clinging to it. I like that the essence of comedy. There's a really brilliant, and if you've not seen him, you should definitely should because I think you'd really like him. Tommy Cooper. Are you aware of who that is? He's a British <laughs> comedian from sort of like the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s. He's a, um, it was a faux magic act, and I can't again do him justice. <laughs> but he'd come out. What was beautiful? about Tommy Cooper <laughs> firstly he was massive he was a big fucking mad giant and he always seems a bit pissed and perhaps he sometimes was a bit pissed and he'd come out to his magic act and the, the shtick is that, that the act don't ever go right for Tommy Cooper it always goes wrong he wears this beautiful fez you know like one of those hats and like he's trying like what's wonderful about him is his world weary sort of brokenness <laughs> How he can't get this magic act to yes, go right. You yes. know. He doesn't sort of, he seldom acknowledges the joy of the audience, although he has got a sort of a beautiful laugh and great mirth in him. And why I've always thought that there's an archetypal quality to Tommy Cooper's comedy is because it's as if he's someone who continually sort of distills the essence of comedy as the idea that. Look, like you know, like couldn't you at any moment when you're going, you fat fuck, it, yeah, you know, that yeah, guy's like, yeah. oh, none of this is real, none yeah, of this is real, or yeah. ranting and raving at a parking that's warden right. or whatever. Like at some point, there's a bit of you that sort of wants to giggle at the absurdity that's, that we're taking it all so seriously. Comedy is when joke. you go, hey, yeah, sorry, sorry. So sorry. Who says that joke? No, not at all. He says when he's with someone who's dying, his heart is breaking, and behind it, he's giggling. Who is this though? Says Ram, that Ramdas. Ah, oh, cool. You know Ram Dass? Of course I do. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah. obviously that's one of those spiritual ideas that you sort of keep to yourself. But there's this level where everything is sort of funny. Everything is sort of funny. And like that's when there are the controversies around, you know, sort of bad taste humor. I've heard Ricky Gervais explain it very well that that's... That's the point. Of course, you know, if you're making jokes about paedophilia or a, a right. sort of a massacre or whatever. It's to keep the lights on in that yeah, room. Yeah, it's precisely yeah. because you know it's dark. That's right. why the right. joke. It right. wouldn't be a joke if it wasn't a dark and unpleasant thing. And of course, you know, you never want to hurt anybody that's grieving and suffering. But that's the function of comedy is to continually unveil, to show that whilst it's no, no, make, I make no claim to the sort of the essential truth of comedy, it is at least aware that this is not the essential truth, that it's pulling back the veil and giggling at it and knowing like that right. none of this is real none right it's real it's from where you're doing the giggling i think is where people might get rightfully offended or something if you're Especially giggling from, at that deathbed whoop. <laughs> <laughs> well he's laughing from his true self you know what i mean if dick alpert laughed at you dying he's an asshole <laughs> if the part of him that is you that is in the dying thing laughs that's just that's just beautiful oh, how are you on time no, actually, this is because I wanted to show you this random oh. letter that someone sent to me. Oh, fuck, it's heavy, though. Do you, should we have a quick look at it? Is it about the dead girl? Oh, yes, yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Read it. I, I read it probably five times a year. Well, how, how did it come to you? It's in the movie Fierce Grace. It's also in the book Walking Each Other Home. Yeah, it's heavy. I don't think I can read the whole thing, but I wanted to bring it up just in case you hadn't heard of it. Because I, I suppose the things that... Like if, if is that it? Yeah. Do you want to read it? Oh, no, maybe you should read it. And uh, like, I, I don't know if I can. Why, it's a bit too heavy. We can distill it. Like what? Are the, the oh, it's heavy. It's too heavy. Let's just talk about it. Ram Dass writes to a couple that have recently lost a child, and I suppose that serves as the most awful thing that can happen to anyone. But, and, it, but the the part that I think is shareable 
basically what he's saying is like the unthinkable happened. The thing that you thought you wouldn't be able to live through has happened and you're here. So it's like you're not who you think you are because you thought that would kill you. And he doesn't say that. What I just did was kind of Tony Robbinsify what he's saying. But he's also greenlighting their grief. Now is the time to let your grief find expression. No false strength. Um, I also like the hope offered in I Know That You Will. When he says... You'll see each other again at the yeah, end. Yeah, our rational minds part. can never understand what has happened about our hearts. If we can keep them open to God, we'll find their own intuitive way. Rachel came through you to do her work on earth, which includes her manner of death. Now her soul is free, and the love that you can share with her is invulnerable to the winds of changing time and space. In that deep love, include me. Yeah, that shit uh, that got me. And That's a karate because- kick, and he talks about seeing each other again and again and again. Like I like to play that game. It could just be a thought experiment, but I go, oh right, yeah, you this again. one you're Russell. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You'll be that sort of weird, like comedian. the boar and the goddess. That's no? right. Every time, and I like say this. to my daughter, I say this to you as a. I know you have too, but you're still a, a newish dad. I say this time I'll be your dad. It's beautiful. Whether or not it's literally true or metaphorically true, it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful perspective it, for me. It's There's a, some myth. Forgive me interrupting. No, you didn't. There's some myth like um, like that when Krishna takes incarnation, all the other deities and gods and forces up there go, all right, I'll come down then. Yeah, I'll do one. I'll come. I'll do you. I'll be your mum. I'll be your dad. I'll just be someone that serves you in a shop one day. Oh, and like fine. amidst the limitlessness, we can accommodate that. We can accommodate that for one another. Yeah. That we are reincarnating for one another. You know, when the- you were out having lots and lots of sex, were you spiritual? That's not, that's not a judgment. I'm wondering if... Yeah, was because I think as a drug addict I was, I think as a yeah. like, little bulimic little boy I was, because I think the yearning is the same, and I think the awareness is the same, and is, I, d- yeah. I think that that's what we're looking for, I think that's where, what we're all looking for. Yeah, I, I didn't, was it mindful, was it deliberate, like you were like, I love people, I love touching, I love having sex, let's get into it. Let's- In a sense, no, it was like it was the an inability to not be open to that amount of opportunity mm. because for me the same reason I took drugs was uh, or a component of taking drugs is I want to be adored I want to be validated I want to be verified and I you know so drugs I, adore you don't they yeah, they certainly comfort you and put their arms around you. Oh, and I don't your mean it friend. in a real way. I just mean, like I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, I can be. I, I, I quit drinking myself, and I realize if there's something that makes me feel good, there's always a part of me that goes, "Do that. You deserve it. Of you're, course, you're a magical boy. You should feel good." Oh, of course, and it fun. takes it takes a real effort to <laughs> to say that you are a magical boy. So therefore, don't do it. Yeah, you know, to protect yourself, to protect yourself. That's a very hard. Yes. I, I have found a hard gradation to ascend. Yes. I found that difficult to Isn't do. Isn't it funny? It's not that you're not a magical boy. You can still be a magical boy. Yeah, so it's not, I deserve this chocolate bar. I deserve to not have this chocolate bar. Fucking A. What is the choice of not choosing it? Let's choose that. Yeah. That, even when I was trying to get healthier, it was like, you can eat whatever you want. And see where you our personal change. choices align with the tr- personal require the requirements of the systems that r- need us as a kind of a fuel. Yeah, you know, for them it's good that we associate pleasure Buddy. with sex. Then we're easy to commodify and to market to. You are right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I say that all the time. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Was it you that wrote the dream? Are you living your dream? I realize uh, this, the summation of this book called "This Naked Mind" that that got me off the booze that I loved. I love. And it, w- it changed the perspective from drinking is liberty 
to somebody made you its bitch. And I liked it. It was like somebody lied to you and said, this is freedom. And it, and then I went, wait, it's not. It was like a, it was like a mini enlightenment. I was like, it's not. That's, freedom I'm, has nothing to do with this. This is doesn't. a corporation that doesn't give a fuck about me going, this is an addictive chemical that'll make you feel loopy and silly for a while. Dude, I fuck anybody that's like, you don't have as much fun. Valerie and I laugh constantly. We're silly all the time. I'll dance at a wedding from the beginning till the end. Fucking suck my asshole. You know what I'm saying? It's not the Jim Beam. Freedom's inside. You know what I'm saying? Yes, of course. I know you do. Of course. We've been uh, trained to commodify our own impulses that everything can be uh, translated into a purchase. Now, what the hell is <laughs> That's a... it. Everything can be translated into a purchase. Yeah, and that is the, the... It's like water. It's like everything. Your happiness is a purchase. Your relaxation is a purchase. Everything is. Yes. That's it. I don't think it matters what I was going to say, does it? Because otherwise I would remember it. I think I'm slightly distracted by needing a wee. A wee? Go wee. Shall I do it and then come back? Do, yeah. What do you do? In your type of podcast, do you carry on talking while someone goes for a wee? I would never do that. You just stop for a bit. We'll just stop for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in however long a wee take. A pretty common anatomical requirement. It felt nice. It felt nice that I could do it. I spent quite a lot of my time needing a wee. I'm always drinking water. I always need a wee. I'd always basically rather be laying still doing nothing. You'd rather be laying still doing nothing, huh? You don't come out very much. I think we have that in common. When we were emailing, I was trying to convey that we're the same, that yeah. I was like, please understand. That's why I'm grateful that you're doing this. Jimmy Kimmel, I couldn't wait to tell you this. Jimmy Kimmel said, if it's in the calendar, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I was like, that is it. I want and need to do things. But I hate that feeling, even something that I like. I hate that feeling when I'm just kind of in my PJ pants and hanging out with the baby and hanging out with Val. And then I go, wait, what is Oh, and I have something that night. I'm like, even though I'll only be gone for like two hours or an hour and a half, I'm like, shit, something. So thank you for doing that. Not at all. Um, Thank you for doing it. But then also when I'm just in them PJ pants, in my case, it's not with your baby and Valerie due to the way that our lives have worked out. But I've got my own version of that. You're fun. And, uh, but like, I, I used to think, I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm anxious. <laughs> There's like, like, listen, there is joy in my life. But I feel like uh, I realized it over today and yesterday, in fact, when I was staying at a mate's house in Ojai, let me use his house while he's away. I went there with another friend, stayed in this beautiful, beautiful place in Ojai. Had, like, I had to go out to go and do yoga and then to go and get food and things. I just sort of thought, no, you do need to be in the world. You do have to have yeah. – I do have that drive and that impulse to sort of connect Buddy, with people. I am not the authority on what I need. Like if you oh. ask me what I need, I'll be like, man, point. I just need to watch some fucking movies. It's like, <laughs> no, you don't. I'll come home from doing a set and I'm like – what was I thinking? That's like my medicine. Like I needed it. Yeah. And I resist it because just like I said, there's the anxiety, the twinge when I remember that I have a set or anything. And then I do it and I'm like, right. I have to like parent myself. How do you do with being a famo? You're pretty famous. Well, I mean, you're very famous. It's not that bad anymore because like I used to really, really like it. And I used to be in the middle... Before I had it, I really thought it would be the answer. I really did. I really thought that is the thing. Because it, it seems like such a vivid depiction of what a person who doesn't feel good enough about who they are would want. Well, if that's happening, surely then right. I'm good enough. Like even the postman is like, 
I love that movie. Or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of it's yeah. lovely, isn't it? It's kind of whilst it in a sense robs you of intimacy and privacy, it also grants you a kind of shield, a, a, a sort of a prosthetic version of yourself that other people are responding to. It sort of grants you a kind of power. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But then actually once you're in it, I don't, you know what, I don't dwell too much on the bad side because certainly in a city like LA, it's not a big deal at all because of the plethora of available alternative phones. Sometimes when I'm either dismayed or overjoyed at my fame, I think, just think how many other people could walk into this room right now that would one by one reduce the amount of intrigue that her server right. has in you in this moment. That's so funny. Somebody told, uh, Michael Shea did this podcast and he told a story about being at a party and Jack Nicholson was there and everybody was like, or like he was the second person that arrived. So somebody famous, was, let's say it was you just for fun, Russell Brand. Everybody's like, oh, Russell Brand. Then Jack Nicholson comes in. Everyone's like, oh, Jack Nicholson. And then Prince came in. Whoa! And they were like, nobody cared about Jack Nicholson or Russell Brand. It's not you, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and we was, were like, I wouldn't have gone out. You got, you got princed is what we said. Like yeah. you were princed. Prince can, can only be now at that point an extraterrestrial. Yes. Pure consciousness comes into the room in some way, like a vibrating orb. Yes. You know, fuck Prince, is this vibrating you, orb of consciousness. Yes, and it refers, it wants us to call him very specific things. Yeah, we just got to go, <laughs> like, we can't eat, there's no, no... The orb formerly known as... Yeah, 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 yeah that's exactly. all it's going to I'm still accept. making, it's been like 30 years, I'm, st- I'm still Weird making... the impact that made, I suppose because it's sort of such a rejection of an accepted custom. And to that's what we were saying, we're back name. at the beginning, the beginning's in the end. In the end, in the beginning, we're back at language, and Prince was saying, I'm not Prince. I'm not going to be held by language. I'm fling. I'm <laughs> I like you fling. You're really, I mean, either way, Purple Rain was great. It was a good one. I'm not, all the greats I'm not really that into. Bowie, Prince, they just doesn't do it for me. I went Australia loads of times, in fact, but one time I was there, I was doing their equivalent of the Grammys, right? Like I was presenting an award, but because it was Australia, right, it was still at an arena. It still looked like, you know, if you go to a really big event, like the Emmys or the Grammys or one of those terrifying things, right? Because it was Australian, I didn't know who anyone was at all. And it was so wonderfully liberating. I just walked around there like I was at a children's nativity Buddy, play. That's a gift from the universe. They were like, look, we'll set up a whole other one for you to see through. So how different can it be, I was thinking. And like, yes. you know, with the Prince example, of course we recognise the hierarchies of fame and we're affected by them. But can we undo it? Can we really unstitch ourselves from it? You know, sometimes you're even around swamis and holy men that in their own way. The good ones will admit that we asked the proper swami once, what do you do? Do you feel jealousy? Do you feel greed? And he said, yes, I do. And it reminds me to move closer to God. Like, so like, that, you know, that, that, the carnality does not afford exemption from this we are mm. going to be affected by status and hierarchy and god i wonder how m- many of my newly spiritualized drives are just a masked attempt to further ascend and to get to the point where there's no one that can walk into this fictional party that people's heads would turn right. you know but like i know as I have always known that the answer is not in that direction the answer is not in that direction and because I now also know that I will continually return to that motif the motif of self self-service or self-advancement that it's helpful to have a practice that's like now what's those things I'm supposed to remember like in that film Awakenings do you remember when Robert De Niro goes back into whatever that disease is and he goes learn from me learn from me while he's disappearing back into the coma yeah. I try to plant flags in myself so that when I'm next I'm in the coma 
coma of caring about the exterior world and other people's approval and priapism and filiatio and all those things that have dogged and governed and served me that like that I'll be able to see somewhere that flag that flag of my true nation none of this is real none of this is real you better find someone to fucking help quickly or you're in trouble mm. and I'll find someone phone someone up and are you okay how's your life going and not caring at first you know luckily for me alcohol and addiction issues that that come with a uh, excuse me come with a program you know so I'm or I always know if I am in pain even though I will always think that the answer is do something for yourself do something for yourself the answer is usually do something for someone else oh. isn't that great I love that awakenings comparison that's beautiful so it's it's like Ramdas again he says like you're he, he, he asked somebody who was like what am I doing here like in in carnality as you say it's like on this wheel of jealousy and anger and lust and all this stuff and somebody just goes you're in school, take the curriculum. So the Swami that you sat with was like, yeah, and they're reminders. I like, it's like turbulence on the plane is how I like to look at it. And it's going, are you ready to let go of thinking that you're Pete? Sometimes I feel like it needs to turn the heat up pretty hot for it to go like, we, we can have that in a moment. Like you start reading Twitter or something and three people think you're amazing and one person thinks you're a fucking asshole. And like you'll have both this like stupid high and then the stupid low, and it's like when are you gonna drop it? Just try, no, just drop it. I'm one by one. I'm trying to drop them. I'm trying to. I'm trying my best. You know, no drink, no drugs. Don't look at pornography. Be careful about how you eat food. Be careful when you're approaching work. What your intentions are. When I do it, it really does work. Like if I meet with someone and think, like in my mind, think, oh, I could probably get something out of this situation if I'd like, I check that at the gate and just go, no, 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 you're all right. It's not, not you're not mm. going to get anything from this situation. Mm. It certainly liberates me. I feel free. I know? love that. I know what you're talking about. And then next thing I know, I'm looking at pornography. <laughs> that's so. I ju- that's what we're saying. Learn from me. Learn from me. We we're, what we're talking about is the sine wave of existence. My wife Val on her Instagram wrote a really beautiful poem about it. It's like remembering and forgetting, remembering and forgetting. That energy like is God, basically. It's not, it's not like a flaw. It's, like, it's, it's the dance that we're, that we're dancing. You'll like this thing then, that um, in a book called An Encounter with the Self, like I've never been able to memorize the surname of the person that wrote it because it's something like Eisenberg. There's too many syllables. It's not familiar enough to me to <laughs> just record it. But it's an analysis... Uh, William Blake, the English poet and illustrator, did a series of engravings from the book of Job in which he presented tableaus of particular verses and over these 14 different engravings tells the story of Job. Here he is at the beginning with his family stood by this tree and the Jungian analyst whose book this is entitled An Encounter with the Self says note that at the beginning here Blake depicts Job and his wife and children as standing by this tree the animals their animals the sheep and the dogs simple line engravings are asleep the musical instruments are just hanging in the trees no one's touching them here look at this frame and like it goes through sort of various you know we know that Job like all the suffering and all that but there's this the, the frames that got me most in sort of uh, like that, you know, that sort of sense, that glitch in the matrix sense that some other dimension is communicating to you just momentarily through image <laughs> and language. Like there's a bit where you see Yahweh who looks the same as Job, you know, in the, and the book is called An Encounter with the Self. And Yahweh's up there in the heavens looking the same as Job, if a little more muscular, you know, uh, and sexier perhaps. <laughs> 
And he says to Job, uh, Behold the behemoth and the leviathan that I have made, as I made thee. And the leviathan, like a sea creature, like it's, uh, you know, like under the unconscious, the leviathan, the reptilian mind, and it looks like a sort of a serpent dragon thing, a bit scary. Um, but the behemoth, it most more scary to me anyway. And it was like looked like in this small engraving a hippo without its skin. So you can sort of see its sinew and its dumb staring <laughs> eyes like an unmodulated pre-linguistic laugh, like a drive, like an energy, like appetite, raw flesh appetite. And Yahweh says to Job, here they are, the behemoth and the Leviathan that I made as I made thee. And in the analysis, it says that if we are not good then god is not good there is a duty for us to become good there is a duty for us to acknowledge the behemoth the flesh the leviathan the reptilian impulsive brain that doesn't even interface with the more latterly added egoic mind the frontal mind wherever that is i'm not a neurologist you may have gathered and and that if we do not become good then there isn't that it's not forecast in a non-dualistic eternal infinite universe that occupies dimensions beyond our understanding that god is a kindly benevolent father christmas santa claus guy that just wants to help us out if we don't line ourselves up with good if we're not over able to overcome these obstacles then goodness itself doesn't exist because it's a conglomeration of the book of Job with its whatever sort of ancient, painful, stony wisdoms in there, the illustrations of Blake with his sort of peculiarly romantic, alchemic, mystical brilliance, and then the analysis of a devoted Jungian able to understand these two linguistic streams or however many there are and make them coalesce. It made me understand something about... Our goodness, our kindness, our decency, our awareness of union and truth and oneness is vital, vital, because otherwise we are living in the inverted commas illusions of the Leviathan and the behemoth. Mm. You know, it's not that God is good and we're striving for it, we're creating it. We're creating it as Mm. we're here. Through those other impulses, like not in rejection of them? Well, I felt, like, I felt like I felt implicit. The way I took it, and this is probably because I'm a person that has to abstain in life because of the drug and alcohol, and because of my own modality of surviving my own impulses. I felt that it means be aware that you can just as easily be the behemoth or the leviathan. I so see. fucking watch your step, because otherwise, what God is? Oh, God I like is, I like yours better. <laughs> God is just some dumb fucking hippo or some dreadful sea serpent, and, it, and I've had those as gods. You have. Yeah, I've had those as gods. I've been dominated by those energies. I've been the reptile. I've been the animal. I've had, like, you know, I have those things in me. Yeah. And my practice is, it's not about the subjugation and denial of them or the rejection. That's too sort of, I suppose, I, I don't know, it's like a sort of a clinking binary. But, like, it is about the kind of, how do I direct that? And that same Swami said to me, the one I've already mentioned, that all, uh, all desire, the inappropriate substitute for the desire to be at one with God. What does the wanting want? Where is the craving trying to take you? And if we somehow can marshal these energies into a kind of atonement, into a kind of uh, a practice of love, simple, simple things, kindness, love, service, those simple things, then there, then you know, then God is good. Then God is everywhere. Then God is, you know, love, etc. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we like you and I, can make the decisions to go fuck you and do the fuck we want, then now we are, you know, look at the look at the God and the godless that's present in every moment. Right. Yes. 
I, I remember seeing something where they were like locusts eat things and, and bees pollinate things, but human beings are the ones that like can choose their nature, which is really interesting. Like some things are just like, this is just, this is just me being me, baby. And you're like, <laughs> ruin a field of crops. Yes. <laughs> from their perspective, they enjoyed a field yeah, of crops. Yeah. <laughs> from us, they, but we're the ones that were like, can we find some sort of harmony with that stuff? So it's called the encounter with the self. Encounter with the self. I think you'd I like it. Uh, I'll send you if, if you think we can sustain a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're so close to being out of time. That locust crop thing you just said, mate, that's another thing that comes up in biocentrism is that we, like, that, yeah. That, in what? That, uh, in that book, Biocentrism, that suggests that li- in, from another perspective, life is creating itself as it happens and the conscious universe is the primary universe and the material universe is secondary, which is a good way of talking about God, that consciousness precedes matter, that matter doesn't precede consciousness. Which is ultimately, in my experience, the argument with atheists boils down to that because we all know spirits here now. We're only discussing the order. And like that Yanis Varoufakis, he was like a, one of the leaders of Syriza when Greece broke away from the EU and had a sort of revolution, which was obviously eventually crushed. He says, I'm an atheist. I believe matter preceded spirit, but no doubt spirit is here now. So we have to be in, you know, we have to find a way to be in its service. We have to find a way of accommodating it, you know, spirit as in love, oneness, whatever I took him to mean. And I believe, though, that consciousness precedes matter, that consciousness is the only. matter's not the big show. That's what I think. You it's, think just, it's just the shadow of the big show. Yeah. So it's almost like locusts. Well, Buddha kind of had a, a, a revelation like that, too, when he saw the ants. And I always kind of don't want to say, because I don't want to sound callous to tragedies, but it's like what Buddhists saw was every day is a tragedy for ants. Like millions of ants are just getting stomped and swept. And like, and and it's tough to be an ant. And that's what I'm saying. And like Alan Watts talks about like an ant is just trying to be a full ant in the same way we're trying to be the full person. And that's not, it's not just to make us sad for ants. It's just to be like, where do you get off thinking it's you? Like, that's why I always say zoom out, like zoom out. Like I, I'm, I'm worried about, what am I worried about right now? If I think about it, just general, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, zoom out. There's a little speck on, and not in the nihilistic way, in the beautiful anonymous unity way where you're like, I'm just the universe playing a guy going, what am I going to do? <laughs> and that's beautiful. And the ant and me and everything is all this. That's, that's the joy of oneness for me. When, when we see that the plight of the ant is as valid as, as mine. Of course, we're playing, we can't live that way, and I wouldn't say that we should, but... It's difficult, of course, because of the like sort of philosophical tropes, such as you know, pro uh, capital punishment. Well, how would you feel if it's your child or someone that you loved or whatever? And if I feel well, that's not the position to be making infrastructural decisions from. You know, the emotional state. grief, yeah, and bereavement. Let's. Let, oh, that's interesting. How our penal system does consider emotional states and it actually imagines emotional states that's lovely isn't that weird yeah it's it's cool it's kind of interesting that we did that and and speaking to the oneness thing that we keep harping on about pete is that it's because nobody will go there with me because like that if people go right up to the wall there'll be moments where i am flawed and hopeless and making mistakes and living in accordance with my lower nature but if we have an agreement between us no no what we're going to try and do as a community even if that community is just the people in this room now is like that if i'm suddenly jealous or overcome with something that may not be productive for me or for us as collectively that we've already put in place instantiated a system of like oh, oh no we don't 
that's not what we're going to do. We're mm. not going to live in accordance with jealousy and fear. We're not going to have that as the subtle, unspoken infrastructure of all of our systems. Right. We're going to have, you know, but that kind of has to be leaderless. It has to acknowledge human frailty. It has to acknowledge that the, the great men and women of history had anuses and potentially halitosis, particularly depending on how they're related to their own anuses. They could exacerbate that problem in an instant. But what, what I'm saying is, is like that there ain't no need for any of us to... Self-analingus, <laughs> And I was imagining Mary Curie. <laughs> so, like, uh, like uh, I feel like, uh, you know, we're obviously both can talk, you know. <laughs> we we both, like to both, gab. We like a gab, you and I, and we yes. obviously both have access and we thought about these things. And then, then we get, I mean, my problem is I get attached to it and think, like, it has to be me, it has to be me. If I can let go of that and think, well, it doesn't matter, like they say in some of the support groups I belong to, and like I think a good principle for organising systems, small systems, communities, where we can fairly uh, govern our resources and the way we treat each other, is we're all crazy, but not on the same day. So we don't have a system that relies on that individual or that group of individuals being sort of morally or ethically perfect and pure because mm. there is true democracy. It's the principles that, uh, that matter, not the individuals within them. So it doesn't matter if Prince, Jack Nicholson, and all of pure consciousness or whoever walks in because the party is the party and we're going to run it according to these principles uh, mm. to, to each according to their needs, from each according to their means, basic principles that where we can as best as possible live fairly. And people continually focus on how those systems fail, but the one that we've got now is failing so spectacularly and is so cruel and so unconscious more than cruel perhaps, unconscious, unaware, yeah. unawakened. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if that's why we get so offended when people like cheat the system and stuff, you know what I mean, and pay for somebody to get into college. I didn't even follow that scandal, so let's not talk about it. But I was aware that there was a scandal with that. It's been a scandal. It was a scandal. I, I'm going to blissfully not know ever. <laughs> I vow to never. You've done a scandal, one of the Democrat presidential candidates. Is, that, I, is this a question for me? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's just my assumption because it sounded like the shape of it. Oh, I wanted to do a bit where I was like, Trump, just get on stage and be like, Did you see Trump today? He's at it again. And just make something up. Like, I, and then I actually saw somebody do it. I saw somebody do that bit. Anyway, the point is it's always something. Uh, that's not to say that we can be unconscious and not help. You're almost out of time. You pretty much are out of time because I want to get you to your beautiful bubbies. Oh, yeah, my babies. And I've got to start thinking about moving out of this country now, moving back to the one I live in, England, it's called. That's where I'll go. That's where I'll Why are you going things. to England? Because, like, I was over here to do a TV show. The TV show is done now. And whilst I have a green card, I uh, also have a wife. And the wife... And those children that I live with that are also mine. They don't have a green card and they have to go back after 90 days. And I've got attached to those guys now through this feeling in my tummy and heart. If they go somewhere. It's kind of got funny me. that you said tummy and heart because tummy, we were talking about primitive technologies mirroring modern revelations. <laughs> tummy, brain, which we've discovered is a real thing. Heart, brain, we've discovered is a real thing. And these systems go from down up. And there, so now there's like scientific backing for the chakras. But these little guys. Yeah, on your arm. Those little darlings. Those yeah, you're delightful right. Delightful little darlings. And of course, we can't sever ourselves from our children. We're not Kaiser Soze. No, in and the usual sense. Neither is he, really. 
It's just <laughs> a pseudonym. Even Kaiser Sose is not Kaiser. There is no... I don't think there is one. I believed in you, <laughs> Kaiser Sose. It's a metaphor. And this heist that we were going to pull off, no wonder the heist went wrong. You're not even you. You don't even have a limp. Yeah, sorry. Well, it's fine. And then you had a scandal. Let's oh, not go Christ. there. Christ. Kaiser Christ. Sose. Christ or Sose. <laughs> oh, my God. At the end, we find out it was Christ or Sose. Actually, materialism is great. That would be Christ or Sose. I was banging Mary Magdalene. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, There is no God. Let's, well, I mean, right? What do you think? Is there a God? Uh, Yeah, I'm going with, uh, like, like, you know, you can't not but be reductive in such a complex area, but I'm going to go with yes. But it's ineffable, and Terrence McKenna says the world isn't stranger than we suppose, it's stranger than we can suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why it's really helpful to be like, I believe in God as a metaphor for a mystery. And we can all agree on that. To save time, I just want to call the it that's animating everything. Dante said, God is the love that hung the stars, right? So it's the yes. Love is yes to a star being suspended in a certain spot in the universe. That I believe in. We all believe in that. We're fighting about stories and symbol systems, and it's a waste of time. It's actually not a waste of time. It's a pretty, pretty fun game. It's like, <laughs> it's like the original Netflix, Netflix binge is that we can just argue and kill each other about this. But we're talking about the same conundrum that we're all baked into. Yes. Right? Even if it is, oh, no, those are the laws of thermodynamics. Those stars are there. And it's like, you know, even then it's just, well, we don't know what force is. It's, uh, it's photographing it or feeling it. That's what I say. Um, did you lose your virginity to a prostitute that your dad took you to? Why do you end every conversation with that question, <laughs> no matter who comes in here? <laughs> Regardless of who sat across, Pete will eventually arrive. <laughs> and his catchphrase, did you lose your virginity to a prostitute so that your dad you took you to? listen to this podcast. <laughs> I know it very well, and all, um, all of its foibles and maxims, <laughs> its valleys and its hills, and its denouement. Where of, did you get this, you unlearned street rat? <laughs> you street scam. Where did you get this wonderful command of your language, the English language? In Hindi, they say, in, uh, they say Hindi comes to me. They don't go, oh, I speak English. <laughs> they say Hindi comes to me. As if the language just passes through them, as if it just alights on You're an antenna. Just the- <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because you're not, you didn't like go to Oxford or something. You're just, you're just, you're just brilliant. You're self-taught. Just, you're self-brilliant.ed I got me words off the telly. You're fun. <laughs> you're fun, and I won't, I won't accept any other theory. You're, <laughs> you're fun. Real fast, quick answers. Well, you got to go. What's the hardest time you've ever laughed? Hmm. I don't know. The guy who's through my podcast with Matt Morgan, he made me laugh a lot. My friend Carl Feobald, when we were doing a double act when I first got thrown out of that drama school, laugh at him a lot. Laugh, you know, like you laugh with your mates, hey, that kind of laughter. Those I'm are not early a, I'm not great laughs. at having mates. I hang out with my wife too, so much. Well, now, I mean, yeah. oh, there's no right. time when I was for young. anything. Yeah, when I was young, I had friends and would put sleeping bags over our heads and fight in the, in the basement. <laughs> yeah, them guys, that's who I mean. And then one of them would fart and you'd laugh so hard. Beautiful yes. relief and release. You resisted the urge to say brilliant. It's okay. You Did can I? be as British as you want to be. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Independence I? Day is a coming. Oh my God, look that's out. That's when we leave. That's Fourth when we chase July. you. Yes, I won't have you. But I bet I there was won't... English people on the, both sides, I bet. I, was there? I bet George Washington was English, was he? Look at the hair. I've not looked at the facts. Look to but the he wore hair. a wig. 
<laughs> Very British. That's what we do that. over there. Yeah. I will chase you. I will not suffer you on the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> I will not suffer you. Well, <laughs> not the face. hardest laugh, but when I say your tears are streaming down your face and you can be any age, and I'm not looking for a good story, where are you? Who are you with? Do you know, I don't know that my mind works that well in that way. Someone recently asked me, and I was like on a TV show, and they were like, oh, which, TV, which job have you enjoyed? I goes, I don't You're like really me. remember I have a hard time with that too. any of it being... Is your wife good at remembering for you? Someone's got to be chronicling this, haven't they? Yeah. For the subsequent books and mythologies that will follow, Pete. The Gospel of Brand. Who will scribe this Did you stuff? Did had a talk show at the same time? Were you aware that I had a talk show at the same time as you? No. I loved that you had Westboro Baptist on. I was so nervous for you. I and liked them. You did so well. I've, now, that was a good example of that comedic thing. I don't think that they even... I don't think they mean it. I think you can burrow down into them and look at them, and there's and a bit of them that's going, I know, we're making this up. I don't know that they you could articulate it. think they're playing it. the game? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think everybody is. I, I felt that way when I was watching it, to be honest. This is an old... You can see it on YouTube. He, uh, Russell had on Brand X... You had Westboro Baptist guys, and you did a really nice job of you didn't want the audience to be sensationalizing and like no. booing. And That's so you're like, clean. let's just because obviously they feed off of that too. They so they it. want you to do that. And when it came it down comes to like it, WWF. Yes, exactly. But when you start going like, I do love you, I love you, <laughs> and like kind of making jokes with them, it's really interesting. They want us to want to like. To hate them, obviously. I hate fags! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't think that, really. You're making it up. Why? Right. That's not in that book. That's uh, right. Well, well, good. There's them gay lads that was with me. I picked them up on my way. to. It wasn't set up by production or anything. Wait, in the studio. Because a lot of my ideas and my insistence on making that show absolutely spontaneous, a mindset that led to its demise, mark you. It's spontaneous demise. <laughs> it just, <laughs> poof! It was, it was an unscripted cancellation. <laughs> Russell, you got your wish. I like it. <laughs> we were really in the moment then. Um, I picked up uh, like these gay lads in a bar on Melrose on the way to, I think it's Gower Studios. Mm-hmm. Like We didn't have, like, right, we've got these gay men. And in fact, I was constantly frustrated by their they're constant kowtowing to the law of, uh, and, and bureaucratic necessity. I went into a bar there uh, up Melrose and picked up those guys and took them with me to the studio. Then they were on the show and they all behaved immaculate, immaculately and perfectly and were the perfectly cast gay men to be confronted in Westbury Baptist Church. And it was a, a wonderfully constructed moment. I've since watched it back myself on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy with <laughs> how it sort of Forgive looks me, as a piece. I don't remember that. The gay people come and talk to the Westboro people? Yeah, what happened is, is like, first of all, I think Westboro Baptist Church come out and talk. And I go, well, look, what about these gay lads? You surely can't not like... Because it's sort of like, I suppose, isn't it? Well, that's when you started cracking the facade, is when you started naming celebrities and having them say if they're going to hell or not. And I was like, that's brilliant. It It really made it a self-parody you know what i mean like it was like ah. you don't you can't do this and they were like hell <laughs> hell hell but you didn't have to make any joke in that moment we were all like oh this isn't as scary as i thought it's just two guys in jeans going <laughs> so, hell shale hell shale shale <laughs> so then the, the gay men come out and and then t- tell the people like, what happened i'm like well come and look at these yeah. guys they're lovely aren't they and they go no they're going to hell you know and they were sort of Again, but you could see, in fact, I think they're sort of slowly 
incrementally increasing sweltering discomfort at being confronted with the oh this is just sort of silly this can't be what it's about this can't be fun good for you you were brave and it's not what it's about you know when i was a fundamentalist i didn't believe really and it was fun to kind of have that button push i would have resisted it but there's something I, I actually got off on the wrong foot with a family member once when I was, it was on a Val side and I, I, I feel bad about it, but I thought I was paying them a compliment and I thought they would agree with me. I was like, when people say, I believe that all these people are going to hell that don't believe in Jesus in the way that I believe in Jesus are going to hell, which means 6 million Jews in the Holocaust go to hell, which means unspeakable numbers of Hindus, Muslims, Jews, atheists, agnostics, Buddhists are all tormented forever and i was trying to be loving when i was like i don't believe you because i think highly of you i don't believe that you believe that in your heart like i think you're better than that and i actually hurt you really went out there you didn't really give much of a way out did you yeah i was like either i'm thinking too much of you or yeah you you're gonna have to turn your back on your own beliefs you're right it was kind of a tricky game (gasps) i'm a crow or a coyote Yeah, you, that was mischievous. I, was and what mischievous. they were upset by it. Yeah, they were upset by it. And rightfully so. I, I have to be careful not to be condescending. Because I suppose it, it's a shame, isn't it? Because when you become reductive about something as complex as the afterlife, it is going to lead all of us. You don't have to be as absurd as the Westboro Baptist Church to sort of get in trouble trying to unravel yeah, and sort right. of instantiate that. What I appreciate about Westboro, which is not much at all, is that at least I know their, fuck, their fucking insane beliefs. Whereas I used to have insane beliefs that I just kept to myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's weird to pass as like a normal loving person. And secretly, Russell, I... Uh, Ten years ago, would have interviewed you and thought you were going to hell, and I just would have kept that to myself. I would Ten have years like, ago, I was, darling. <laughs> you <laughs> are fine. I want to be British. <laughs> and I, I want to say, darling. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, like the, I suppose the crazy beliefs we have now is that you know that we do like there's so much economics in Christianity that you asked the thing I was going to tell you yeah I had a good chat with Reza Aslan and yeah he, like, and he, he did could, this podcast and I watched that chat you guys had and it was great what I liked is uh, I said what's the corollary between Christ and Buddha and Muhammad is there a corollary he goes yes they're also like, what we happened upon was they're all surprisingly interested in economics and then I go what is the corollary with the institutions that follow these prophets he goes well curiously there's corollaries among them too the way that they uh, institutionalize the way it becomes detached from the central message etc is comparable i thought that was interesting because i feel that you know like so whilst i don't believe in the kind of rather listless flatness of socialist politics in that it feels sort of archaic and 20th century type of ideology i do feel that you know one simple way of judging whether or not we are still harboring crazy beliefs is like how many homeless and suffering people will i walk past on my way home how do you treat animals is is an indication of how well a society is doing how you treat your poor, your orphans. You said this in the interview, your, your widows. It's like Muhammad, Buddha, and Christ are all saying, hey, fuckwads, take care of these children. They don't have parents. Yeah, and it's not just and out of morality. It's out of it's, a higher truth. You're acknowledging, oh, we're all one Well, that's one why another. Jesus says, this time I'm your dad. Exactly, this time I'm your dad, this way every time. Mm. You say, Christ said, when you feed this guy, you're feeding me. I always took that as like, you better feed feed people because it'll earn you brownie points with Jesus and he's the one that'll have the gavel when you're dead. 
Fuck that shit. He's saying that is me. You think I'm over here? You think I'm in this one and not in that one? What the fuck is wrong with you? What would you? be the point in that? What would be the... that? We're back to another point we made. Why are we withholding it? Why are we acting like there's anywhere to keep it but everywhere? And that's the sort of, the, uh, I say, the magic of kindness. The magic of kindness is through action you demonstrate, I am not the most important thing in the world. That's right. I'm not even real. I'm not really here. Now suddenly we're on that frequency. We're on the frequency yeah. of Christ consciousness because we're living in unity. We're acting as if it were true to the earlier bit about the uh, encounter with the self. And when we act like there is a God, here is God now manifest. That's right. It's not like the roll of a dice. It's like we're attuning to a frequency that is potentially achievable. We make it. We, we make, make it. it. We make, we make it. it. We, by being it. That's right. That's why the Trinity, because it's a relationship. Richard Rohr has this beautiful book called The Divine Dance. And he's like, the reason for a Trinity wasn't some puzzle to be like, well, it's like ice and water and, <laughs> and mist. It's like, fuck, or, or it's like three, three petals of a clover, but it's one thing. It's like, fuck off. It's, be, it's saying that God is a verb. It's a flow. It's like a bucket pouring into another bucket, pouring into another bucket. Oh, it's like a neuroburos. It's like the snake eating itself. We're back to that. It's this movement. It's not... It, nice. it, it exists in these it's words, nice. in this place, in this time. I we like make it. Because elsewhere, I've heard, like, uh, regard yourself not as an individual, but rather as an event, temporarily. Whoop, there was Russell. Oh, gone again. <laughs> you know? Fun. Like, it's a thing happening through time, across time. And when we get attached, hold on a minute, where's my fucking house? That's so good. <laughs> attached to an illusion. That's so good. There's, there's that Avid Brothers song about death called um, No Hard Feelings. Have you heard it by any chance? They just talk about when you're, it's time to die and you, and you lay down the keys the keys to your house and the rings on your fingers. And I was like, Oh, that's fucking, that's it. It's the butter knife to the heart. It, it really gets you. You take all this shit off and you put down, Fuck. right. That, that one will haunt you. It's a beautiful song though. You should Was listen it good to again, it. mate? No hard feelings. All right. Then. It'll listen to it where you're safe to cry. <laughs> Cause you don't want to listen to that one on the four Oh five. I don't right. want a misty-eyed accident. I'm not accident. safe to cry on the 405. No, you are if you are. Yeah? It's up to you. I'm a bad driver. Alan Watts also says you're under no obligation to be the person you were 15 minutes ago. Good old Alan. Isn't that good? I love that one. When Pete goes, Pete's grumpy today. Fuck you, Pete. That's a story. <laughs> Drop it. Let's see if we can teach our kids to be this then. Yeah. I, well, good luck to me. I think some of the parents, and I know we have to go, but some of the parents must listen to me talk about Leela, that's my daughter, and they must think I'm an idiot or very naive, and I'm okay with being naive, and I don't know what I'm talking about. I have intentions. Your children are a little bit older, and I know it's going to get more complicated. I don't know. What I'm saying is I don't know. I know it's going to get weirder, and I won't know what to do. I find but, it is helpful to continually commune and to liberate myself from the obligation to to kind of know this stuff. Yeah. I'm a kind of sometimes oddly proud about like, oh, no, I like to be able to do, you know, because of part of my uh, identity has been about rejecting and having to protect myself and the idea that I've somehow built myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I find it hard to open up and just go, oh, I need help, I need help. And the more yeah. I ask for it, actually, when I feel free to do it, it's a very successful method. I love particularly that. Particularly if accompanied with kindness, because then, yeah, then I'm, there's, it's a sort of a two-way flow, so I'm not so caught up in me. I'm continually asking for help. I'm offering help when I, possibly, when I can, so I'm right. not sort of ossified in this temporal selfness. Right. And that's what relationship, too. That's why relationship can be 
godly or whatever because the there's there's thing. a thing to flow i like that a lot mate i've yeah. taken a lot from this in- interview i really like talking to you i, I hope i get to talk to you uh, again i hope we can I, I i had a secret it's not a secret if i say it i was like i hope we be i hope we're friends i hope so you we're know when i was editing crashing i had a tv show called crashing there's yeah, a big yeah. poster of you because it was at appa towns and there's a forgetting oh, yeah, sir him asking about Th- that yeah did we we probably bothered you to be on it probably no no no, no. <laughs> just for the poster. We don't want actual you. We know what that comes with. That's <laughs> but a poster you just want of a clearance you. of the poster. <laughs> yeah. But it was a very Russell forward for getting Sarah Marshall poster. Like the joke was that Jason was like kind of in the distance and you and Sarah Marshall were in the <laughs> foreground. So I would walk by you, um, as they say, Todos los dias. What was that word? Todos los dias. What's that three mean? words? What's it's three mean? palabras. Uh, it's Spanish for every day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump in a well. What a terrible dias. moment. Todos los dias. Todos los dias. There it is. I'd like to be able to speak that. Well, let's get you out of here. Let's get you to your beautiful we can children. Send each other voice messages if you like. Yeah, okay. I'll, let's swap info. And in, in your words, may the infinite force... I brought my book for you and I signed it this and I left it at home. May the infinite force that created everything f- move through us. Oh, you beautiful man. You said it. Now, would you say keep it crispy? It's how we end. <laughs> no, what do I? What do you I? You say keep it crispy. That's keep all. Keep it crispy. <laughs> it's so fast. <laughs> Thank you, Rusty.